Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So, there's an alliance. They had an announcement, and it's a handshake deal. How about that? College football fans rally around. We got realignment drama. It's a new kind of drama. It's familiar, but it's not exactly the same. And we got teams that are scared. I think that's the bottom line. What do the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 have in common? I think roughly two-thirds of the teams could get squeezed out of the top tier of college football, and they know it. And I think three-quarters of the teams fear it. Now, a few of them will probably squeak in over the line, but nobody knows which those teams are. Uh, I think think if you really boil it down, what the commissioners aren't willing to say, but which is what is holding this group together, is that, hey, we suddenly realize that ESPN is trying to monopolize college football and they're paying the SEC to help them do it. And we're not going to have it. Because most of we, most of us, two-thirds of us, would get squeezed out of the top tier. I absolutely think that's where this is headed and that's what they fear. And BYU would never get in the top tier. I don't think Utah would stay in the top tier. So, you know, locally, everybody's in the same boat. You know, will there be a second tier? Will there be a third tier? It seems like that's where this is headed. Now, maybe that plays out over 20 or 30 years. I think what they're trying to do is hold the line, keep Fox and CBS involved, sign new deals in 2024 for the Big Ten and the Pac-12, probably go from nine to eight conference games. I think we're going to see less of USC and UCLA, a little less of Oregon and Washington, and a lot less of USC and UCLA at Rice-Eccles Stadium. Uh, we're going to see more um, more games matching Pac-12 schools against ACC and Big Ten schools, and they're going to try and create some marquee games that are that are worth a lot of money. And we'll see how that plays out for Utah. I think it's going to make it harder for BYU to schedule games. Is it going to hold together? No, I'm, I'm not even going to pretend that there's a guarantee that this is going to hold together. It could. And the one thing that could hold it together is fear. (laughs) The fear of most of these schools that there'll be, instead of 64 to 66 to 68 teams at the highest level of college football, that there'll be somewhere between 30 and 40 teams. Does your team make that cut? I'll tell you who makes the cut. The first 16 spots go to the SEC. And Notre Dame and Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan, they're going to be in. And that's 20. And I suspect there'd be half a dozen teams from the West Coast, four California schools, Oregon and Washington. But if I were Cal, I'd be sweating a little bit. I would be. I wouldn't be sure. I I think I'm probably good, but I wouldn't know for sure. So I think a lot of these teams are sweating it, and that's the majority of these leagues, and they got the votes. And I think we're going to see the 12-team playoff. ESPN almost pulled a fast one. They almost did it. If they'd gotten that 12-team playoff approved before the news broke on Oklahoma and Texas, they would have re-upped the playoff into the 2030s, and maybe CBS and Fox would have said, hey, we're never going to have enough foothold in this game. We're out of here. But I think we're going to see them get at least some games. I think the way the NFL playoffs and Major League Baseball are divvied up, I think that's what we're going to see with the college football playoffs. I don't think one network's going to get all of it going forward, which probably means more money. But it means ESPN and SEC won't corner of the market you know so we can get more into this later in the show it's um boy it's crazy times but it feels like a really high stakes poker game i mean it was high stakes in the last go around the 20 
you know, 2008 to 12, kind of in that range where everything shook out and where the youths got into the Pac-12. But, man, it feels really high stakes now. And, it, and as it boils down, I don't think anybody cares about the mountain time zone. So if you're Utah and BYU, if you're Boise State or Colorado or whoever, yikes. All right, DJ and PK, let's move on now. we got to talk about some of the local teams. And this season, we are getting closer and closer to kickoff here. Uh, we're going to go to BYU camp. We spent a lot of time with the Utes yesterday. Uh, BYU, the countdown is on. Uh, James Epi, offensive lineman extraordinaire for BYU. Um, the, the, the big name on the O-line. Star? I don't know. Can offensive lineman be a star? Uh, he is definitely the big name on the offensive line. Here he is with the media. Now the camp is wrapped up. Just what kind of group do you got? What, what can we expect to see from you guys this year? Yeah, well, I mean, like you said, we had a few guys leave, and they're you know playing pretty well in the preseason right now, as I've been hearing, and I love watching them on TV. It's it's a good time. Those guys are doing good. Um, but we got you know we're, we're trying to trying to fill some spots and, and get a, a group of five that's ready to go. And I think we've you know over camp we've we've found a bunch of guys and got a little bit more depth and um, you know have kind of developed into to, into a good unit. And I think there's still some competitions along along the way. Um, it, I really everywhere. But I think I think guys are competing and getting better and uh, excited for us to keep going. I mean, what we have ten days, ten days to the first game, so we're uh, we're pumped about it. How are you guys gelling with uh, with Coach Funk, the new O line coach? Uh, really good, Coach Funk. He he uh, he's really smart. He knows his stuff, um, and he's doing a great job teaching us. And so, um, you know, he's come in and he's he's done a really good job leading our room and 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 helping us, you know, get better at at our crafts. And I I I think the, you know, he's been accepted really well by the guys, and he's he's doing a great job so far. So just looking forward to to getting into. Um, you know the rest of of these practices here before before game start and then and then game planning with them and, and getting things started. Hey Jake, go ahead. James, I wanted to ask you about the Barrington brothers. Uh, you've been playing with Clark for the majority of the past two seasons, but I guess more. I guess my question is more about Campbell. What kind of player is he as compared to Clark? As compared to Clark, sure. Um, they're they're both really similar. They those guys play really hard. Um, they they're a little nasty. They like to get after it, and and um, and you know they just have a great time doing it. I I think Campbell so far this camp Campbell has been been playing pretty well um, coming in because uh, he was with us during spring ball. So from spring ball to fall camp, he's made massive strides. Um, at both, you know, knowing the the playbook and and different techniques and what we do as an offense, and so he's he's really growing in the system. I think he's he's doing really well, and it's it's fun to have those two on the line, man. They're they're good dudes. Kind of building off that a little bit. In your opinion, how difficult is it for a young player, let's say in Campbell's case, or let's say one of the other freshmen on this offensive line or sophomore, to come in, learn this system, and be able to step in and play right away? Does that make sense? You know, credit credit to the coaches. They they ha- have made it super easy to to learn um, our offense. It's it's not anything you know out of this world or you know crazy. We we do what we do and and we 
try our best to play really fast and play really hard. So um, the, the coaches have done a great job at making it uh, simple and easy to learn for these new guys coming in uh, just scheme wise. And then, you know, the techniques just depending on, on how far you are technique wise and how much effort you put into it, then, then it's the player, you know, and, and their effort to, to getting uh, caught up and up to speed to play at this level. So uh, guys like Campbell, guys like, you know, Connor pay, um, you know, the guys, guys like that, they, they really excel because they work their butts off and they, they learn everything they can and the coaches make it, make it really easy to learn. So. Um, okay. Dana, go ahead. Hey James, uh, you mentioned 10 days out now has the countdown started in your mind and how sick of you are you of practice and ready to hit another team and, and how ready are you for week one? Oh, we're, we're excited, man. We've, we've started looking at it a little bit and we're, you know, cause most, most of fall camp, you start fall camp, just focusing on yourself, um, trying to get better, trying to, you know, get your stuff dialed in before you worry about somebody else. And, and so now we've kind of, you know, a few times we've, we've looked forward a little bit, got, got some things rolling and, you know, we're excited about it. It's, it's, uh, you know, football's fun and we're having a good time preparing and we're excited to, uh, you know, keep preparing as we go from, you know, for the for, for the whole rest of the season. Uh, Sean, go ahead. James, moving moving back a little bit to the offensive line and talking about kind of some of the other the other guys and a lot of young guys on that O line. We, we usually in the media we think of experience on the O line in terms of starts, um, and I think you have the bulk of the returning starts on that O line. But there seems to be a lot of experience, like outside experience, maybe non-starters and rotating in and that kind of thing. Does that experience translate as a guy who's been through both? Does that experience kind of translate when you're moving up to starter level? I guess to where it's not really as big of a jump as maybe some other positions. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, the each rep makes you better, um, you know, if you take advantage of it. And, and we've had a lot of guys who've gotten a lot of game reps, you know, uh, have played in big games, a bunch of guys with starts. And, and so that that certainly does help when you look at it because, you know, you've been there before and you, you've kind of been in those moments where, uh, you know, you have to get your job done and, and everybody's counting on you. So, yeah, I, I guess it I guess it carries over. Um for sure. I mean, the, the experience helps, but you can also have, you know, young guys step in and just get caught up really quick to, you know, the, the speed of the game and how everything's going regardless of, of starts and whatnot, you know, so competition is really important, making sure everybody um, is working hard and pushing each other. That's super important. And, and um, I'm glad we have uh, a bunch of guys with some, some game experience. Okay. Bryce and then Greg. So, James, being in the middle of a quarterback battle um, and kind of three different styles of quarterback, does the mentality on the offensive line change depending on who's behind you at quarterback? No. We, half the time, we don't even know. So, um, not, not until we're watching film, and those guys are playing really well right now, and we're you know excited about any one of them. But it doesn't change anything for us. We still got to get the job done no matter what we're doing, and uh, got to give anybody time to throw, got to make some running lanes for whoever's in there. And so that's, that's our job, and it doesn't change. So when there is finally a quarterback named, will it change at all, like with the way that you prepare for a game? Um, nope. It, it'll be, it'll be the same going forward. We'll, we'll keep attacking it just like we have been. And you know, whoever, whoever's in there, we'll have all the confidence in the world in them and we'll just go get the job done. Sounds good. Thanks Bryce.
Hey, James. Uh, you had a front row seat uh, last season when this offense was really humming along. Have there been moments in camp where you felt the same kind of clicker rhythm, like we're, we're back to not exactly what you were, but but the same kind of feel? Yeah, I'd, I'd say, you know, just, just every day I feel like we've um, come out with – you know, the mentality to, to get a little bit better and to, to keep grinding and, and keep moving along and put things together. And, and there's moments where, you know, we're like, everything's clicking. And then there's moments where, you know, we have to figure something out and then we figure it out later in practice. And now we're good again. You know what I mean? So, um, every day in practice, we've, we've come to work with, with that mentality of getting better. And I feel like, you know, everybody's on the same page and, and, uh, we're doing good right now, but we're not where we need to be yet. Um, and I think everybody's excited about keep, keep um, taking steps forward towards that goal um, as, as we keep working. Thank you, James. Okay. Last two, well, Jacob and then Jake. Yeah, James, you've been listed to a lot of a uh, preseason watch lists coming into this season. Um, what kind of sense of personal accomplishment do you feel when you see those, if any? Um, you know, it's always humbling to be, to be, I guess on a watch list or to just even have your name in the hat for, for a cool award. So that's cool. Um, but obviously, you know, it's, it's a watch list and, and they're fun, but the, the most fun is, is winning football games. So, um, and I think, you know, cause we've had, a, uh, our, our media team does a good job at, at shouting everybody out that's, you know, on a watch list or something, but I think, you know, everybody has the mentality of, you know, that's fun, but let's go win some football games. So. James, pretty simple question here, but how different in terms of communication is Aaron Roderick now as the OC than he was maybe previously as the passing game coordinator working alongside Coach Grimes? A-Rod, even last year, he's he's always had a huge hand in the offense, and he's you know communicated really well with all position groups um and so i think uh, he probably has a little bit more elevated of a role and and responsibility in, in terms of communication but he's done a great job at at being super clear with everybody and you know making sure trying to get everybody on the same page making sure we we all have the same expectations and so um i i think he's done a great job throughout camp so far done a great job throughout you know since since the change was made he's he's been great and so we're, we're we're excited to keep working with him um, as the season goes on. And, you know, I, th- I think he's doing doing an awesome job at, um, you know, leading the offense. So hopefully we can, you know, keep it up and, and keep things rolling. There is James Empey from BYU. When we come back, we'll hear from the head coach, Kalani Sataki. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. So the University of Arizona is going to play a a couple of quarterbacks against BYU. They're not going to pick a starter. Um, Does it matter? Sure. Does it matter a lot? I don't think so. I think BYU is favored to win. If Arizona plays two quarterbacks, I think BYU is favored to win if Arizona picks one of them. So either way, BYU needs to win this football game. Uh, This makes it a little different, but BYU still got to get it done. 
All right, we'll get more to that later this morning. Right now, let's get to Kalani and get his thoughts a week and a half out from the start of the season. Yeah, good day. Um, good end of camp. Um, guys are, you can tell the guys are just ready to get moving on Arizona now. So it comes at the right time. Um, I think we had our our scuffles to a minimum. So, but uh, guys are just ready to play somebody else. And so we're going to move on to Arizona prep. We'll have our our majority of our depth chart figured out tomorrow, including the quarterback. All right, questions for Kalani. Mitch, you can go first. Well, yeah, I was going to start there, Kalani. So what's the, the decision then on, on the quarterback? I know Arizona announced their plans just moments ago. They're going to go with a two-quarterback system. Who's going to be your guys' starter for, for that game? Yeah, I think we put, we're, we're still camp's still going on. Today is the last day camp. And so we're going to go through meetings, go through our, our time to talk to our players, notify them what, what, what the situation is in a lot of different positions. And uh, quarterback will be one of them. So obviously we'll talk to the players first and then be ready to have that um, announced to the rest of you guys tomorrow. Was the decision um, – for the quarterback for amongst the staff, you, A-Rod and, and, and Fessy and the rest of the staff, um, was it decided on, on Saturday or have these practices played a role, more data points for in the evaluation process? No, the decision that was decided is basically what's been going on uh, throughout camp. You know, so the players that have uh, pretty much come out and competed, that's, that's the decision-making process up to them. It's not up to me or A-Rod or Fessy or anyone. It's, it's really the players uh, doing what we need um, as far as taking that spot. And so the, in every spot, whether it's quarterback or any of the other positions that we have on our team, and that's that's what it comes down to. So we're going to go with a with player that, that uh, you know, once we talk to them and, and, and uh, communicate with our guys, uh, then we'll, we'll be ready to have that be known to everybody else so other than that we just knew that this was going to be the last practice in camp and came to a point where maybe a little bit before last uh, before the last scrimmage was to uh, kind of know that this is the, the kind of the deadline I know I've been asked about that before but we decided to make this a deadline give the guys an opportunity to finish out camp and then communicate with them who, who the starter will be Yeah. okay go ahead um, yeah, Kalani, along those lines, have you identified a scout team quarterback yet, uh, knowing that it's not one of the, obviously, the three that that are in the QB derby? Well, I think it's going to depend on, uh, you know, there's a number of guys that we can use there. So, A-Rod's got a bunch of guys that we can use, even a left-hander uh, with Rhett Riley. So, uh, we, we have a bunch of different guys that give us different looks, um, uh, different skill set. So uh, we're going to use all those guys. Um, and then we'll figure out who, who's going to be the uh, quarterbacks that will travel as well. That, that'll be all f- factored out tomorrow. And just kind of a big picture question now that camp is wrapped up. How do you feel about your team? You've said all along you like them, you like your depth. Does that still hold true? And, and what are maybe kind of your expectations this season? 
Yeah, I mean, I really like our depth. I like the what, what I've seen through camp, uh, the chemistry on our team, the connection that they have to, to each other and also to the fan base. And, and uh, my expectations are for our guys to perform at the best. Uh, we, we need to get get timed out so that we show up there in, in Vegas and that we're performing at our best in all three phases and, and that we have all those guys ready to roll. So uh, right now we went through the dog days of camp, meaning that we had to really grind it out a little bit and had some physical parts and then really tested a lot of our guys as far as their their physical ability and also their mental ability with a playbook and we're able to get most of our install I would say everything that we wanted in in all three phases is in now we have a lot of film for it and now we got to decide what is the best thing where we're trying to predict what's what we're going to see from Arizona so um We'll have to get that in, pl in place. Uh, I think the coaches have been working on a, on a plan already, but now installing that and now shifting from what we're trying to accomplish as a as a team, now moving on, and, and now that we built the foundation, move on to prepping against our opponent and uh, looking forward to that matchup against Arizona. All right, Jake, go ahead. Yeah, Kalani, just wanted to ask you, is there a position group or position groups that you are most concerned about currently? Most concerned about? Um, I don't know. I think we get closer to the – once we start looking at the depth chart, we can kind of see our depth there and, and seeing how the guys perform. Uh, we're, we've got our scout team. There's still some bubble guys on, on whether or not we feel like we're completely too deep or if it's still one and a half. So I, I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll start reviewing that a little bit more. But I don't – there's not like a – I've had concerns other years where it's just like, oh, gosh, what are we going to do at this position and have to shuffle so many people around. Now we're, we're doing a little bit of shuffling because – there's a lot of experience and guys that, that are pretty smart and know how to play different positions. And that's a more of a convenience than anything. So we're going to keep working with that. And But right now, I, I can't say that there's a position that I, I'm really concerned about right now. And then health-wise, do you have any season-ending injuries at this point, or are you relatively healthy? We do. You know what? I, we did have one season-ending injury, and that was uh, Braden Cosper, our receiver. And so he, he had... Um, he, he got hurt, and I, I wanted. To, I totally forgot that when I when we happened a few days ago. So uh, he had surgery, and, and he's going to be recovering. And he's uh, back with the team in meetings and helping the guys out. He's going to be basically coaching and, and keeping trying to be a leader that that he's been for us all year long. So that's the unfortunate um, situation that we have right now with him being down. He, uh, you know, made a great catch and, and came down on it wrong and. and and so he's out for the year. Other than that, everybody else is still in play for the first game. There's still some guys that got banged up during camp. We had a physical camp, and so we, we've got some guys that are banged up, and we'll start. Right now they're all in play for the game, though, so they're all in play for for Arizona. We'll just have to see when we get closer to the game how uh, if, if, if those guys will be ready to roll. Okay, Sean and then Dana. Yeah, Kalani, you, you mentioned uh, a lot of observations after, or you guys mentioned a lot of observations after Saturday's scrimmage and wanting to kind of check the film and, and all of that. It, when you went back and looked at the film and as you start to put the final bow on fall camp, did, did a lot of what you saw on tape kind of confirm what you guys have been seeing for the past couple of weeks and kind of with your own two eyes and that sort of thing, or, or have other things sort of stuck out to you, I guess? In, in regards to the, just, the just everywhere team talent, yeah, just everywhere. Kind of just observations that you're making 
I guess, in person versus on tape, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the the newcomers to the team uh, really add a, a, a different level for us. And then uh, well, I think sometimes we lose sight that, that a lot of these guys that are returning on the team um, are going to be the same. And, and, and a lot of them have improved their game even from last year. So that's, to me, that was the more surprising and, and kind of revealing thing is that uh, we have – you know, everyone keeps reminding us how many people we lost to the NFL and lost to graduation, and and um, and so you kind of are looking to fill those pieces, but then you start to see that these guys that are here that return that they have actually upped their game, and um, that was really impressive for me to see. And those guys worked extremely hard in the off season, and saw a lot of improvement from. Um, you know, from all through camp. And then, uh, I mean, guys like Neil Paul who come to mind and, and Gunnar Romney. There's a lot of guys with the old linemen, Blake Freeland and Harris LeChance have done amazing jobs. Um, James Empey's a much better version of himself. He's done some really good things that change his body. He looks really nice and, um, and, and just really, he's always been smart, but he's just, he's just leading at a different level right now. So I, I want to make sure that, uh, don't, we don't take those guys for granted because they're they're a big part of our team and and, and it's been really uh, nice and rewarding for me to see them uh, even get better from from last year which I thought they were pretty good last year hey Kalani outside of uh, quarterback which I know you love talking about every day um, is there are there other position battles that are really close one two or is your your ones mostly separate from your twos right now um, I think we got – I think there's a good number of guys that, that we, we know are probably more than it being a one and two. The quarterback one's a little different because you want to have a starter. Um, you want to have one in place. Um, the the others, you can kind of rotate them through. So, you know, we have uh, Tyler Algier and Lopini Katoa that, that rotate at, at running back. And then you add a bunch of the guys that are back now with um, Ropati and McChesney and um, Fakahua and, and I mean there's a I don't know I'm forgetting people but there's a good group of guys there that, that adds the mix um, so I wouldn't say that, that really there's a separation between one and two there's a lot of twos that uh, show that they can earn some time I think Ben Bywater's done that as a linebacker D-line it's uh Everyone keeps saying it's not a lot of big names, but we'll find out, right? There's a lot of guys that I think can perform and do some really good things, and there's a lot of returners there that that, um, I think some people are overlooking. So hopefully this is their opportunity to show what they can do. And then um, I don't know if you got a chance to watch Tony Finau win yesterday. I know you're friends with him. What was your reaction? And kind of what does that mean for, uh, you know, the Polynesian community here to have a PGA tournament champion like that first time in five years? Oh, it's huge. I mean, I'm so proud of him. You know, he's worked really hard. And I remember um, when he was, when him and Gipper were just kids and, and just, you know, them hitting golf balls in their garage and stuff like that. And then to see them, you know, on primetime TV, to see Tony doing his thing, uh, uh, it's amazing, you know. And, and that's uh, it's just, it was really cool to see him. I, I think the, uh, there's, and it's not just the Polynesian community, but the, but the local community in the state of Utah and everyone's just so really excited for him. And, and it shows how united we all are, even though we, we, we may have different college teams that we, you know, we go to. But it's nice that we can rally around someone as, as genuine and as real as Tony Finau. All right. Last two questions, Mitch and then Bryce. Yeah, Kalani, just uh 
COVID-19 is still playing a role in college football today. Uh, what's the plan for players that aren't vaccinated in your program? Will BYU be providing those one to three tests per week that the NCAA is requiring? Yeah, um, we, we had our um, sports medicine department. We, you know, Carolyn Billings did a great job communicating with our players, the, the situation. And so she, she's the one educating our guys. We're going to do the same type of protocol that you're seeing from a lot of the um, P5 programs and, and conferences. So um, I'm sure somebody else can probably give you that information. I'm here to talk about football, but we're gonna, we got to, you know, we're going to do whatever we can to get, get to the game safely and, and, uh, and that means following different protocols and policies to do that. We'll do it. And just real quick follow up. Uh, the NCAA require, has like a 10 day isolation period. It's 10 days till you guys travel. Do you have any players currently in isolation? No. Yeah. Thanks, Claudia. Was that okay to say that? <laughs> so if I'm supposed back. to say that, I'm sorry. If, if, if I was supposed to say that, then. But it's no is the answer. <laughs> so, kind of going back to a uh, question prior, asking like what was probably the position group you were worried the most about? What's the position group that probably showed you the most during training camp that like you weren't really expecting? I like the quarterback group and running backs. And so I probably should name a lot of them, most of the position groups. I, I was impressed with the um, improvement our second O-line made. And so, um, yeah, it, and until you get to test them in, in a real game, it's always hard to say. And then what you don't, you hope you don't, hopefully you don't have to test your depth too much in, in, in these games. So, yeah, I just, man, we, we got to get to the game and then, and then we can talk about more things specifically. But until then, it's all, I don't know, I can't forecast that right now. My goal is to get the guys to be at their best. That's the goal. So also another question I had um, was how hard is it for some of the guys to maybe not look past Arizona, but also think about that the second week game against Utah? We're not worried about anything but Arizona right now. So all our focus is on, on, on the Wildcats and that game in Vegas. That's all we care about. There's Kalani Sataki. When we come back, PK and I with Brian Taylor, the big win for Tony Finau. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it is time to bring in Brian Taylor from Real Golf Radio. You hear him. Saturday mornings on the Zone Sports Network. Talking golf with Bob Casper. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Brian, good morning. It is a good morning, guys. And uh, so happy for Tony getting that win yesterday. I think all of Utah was rooting for him. It's been a long time coming. I wasn't. 
Yeah, you were. John Rom's a sun devil, man. I take my sun devil allegiance way serious. It's life and death for me. Sorry, Tony. Well, guess what? Your sun devil wasn't exactly in the picture. He's world number one, and he fell off uncharacteristically. And uh, Tony went out there and got it done. So it came down to Tony and an Aussie. I would think at that point in time you were squarely rooting for Tony. What about my connection to Joe Ingles? <laughs> wow, has he been stretching this all morning, PK? Yeah, he really has. Okay, all right. No, I was Boy, rooting I'm glad for football Tony. Starting soon. Me too. No, you have no but idea. Thankfully for Tony, winning when he won. No, I was definitely pulling for Tony. Absolutely, it was great to see. We all know his backstory. So the way I looked at it, though, you know, even when he lost that playoff in L.A. Uh, earlier in the year, I wasn't. I was disappointed for him in the moment. But he's got bigger aspirations than winning the LA Open, so I, di- I didn't think it was a crushing blow because I thought it was only a matter of time. And it's great that he got it, that he won this one's a big deal too. Playing on Monday uh, in literally in the shadow of uh, the New York City skyline with a lot of big names playing there, but I still think he's got bigger aspirations than even this. No, I think it's a really good point. You know, he in L.A., it, it was crushing um, to not get that done in the playoffs. He got a bit unlucky, really. I mean, he, he alluded to it in his post-round interview about how, you know, he hasn't really felt like he played all that bad. He shot 64 to get into that playoff Riviera. Riviera is not an easy golf course. And so to shoot 64 on Sunday to get into that playoff and look – Homa, what did he miss it under a tree on the par? Was it the par three? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked like he was dead, and he got a good break where he was able to get a shot up there and make par. And Tony doesn't get it up and down. I mean, he, look, that's golf. Uh, just to give you an example, John Rom, right? He shared the thirty-six hole lead with Tony Finau. Both of them were leading going into the weekend, and John Rom, the number one player in the world, is now zero for five in converting thirty-six hole leads on tour. Golf is hard, and and to your point, Tony's got. Bigger aspirations, I think, if he had had he won the L.A. Open, not only would that get the monkey off his back, it would be great for him, but that that's not his goal, to your point. It's not his goal to win the L.A. Open. It's not his goal to win the Northern Trust. He's squarely in position to win the FedEx Cup and the $10 million that goes along with it and all of that. But, you know, he's looking forward to those four big events next year, right. you know, where he's played so well in major championships and top ten and been in a final group at the Masters. He knows he's got so much talent, elite talent, and sometimes it just has to all come together. 31 years old. Certainly not too late for him to go on a terror and uh, and make his mark in golf. And all that's true, but don't you think it just helps to win in that line of thinking and people bringing it up, get it out of your own brain. I won. That field was loaded with plenty of good golfers. Justin Tom- Thomas was top 10. Uh, Kevin Na was top 10. Rom was right there. So I beat these guys, and those are the guys he's, I mean, you never know, but those are the guys he's most likely to see in a major, too. So now he's done it. There's no doubt about it, DJ. And, and uh, Tony always talks about his belief, and he says you have to believe in yourself. And to be able to not have to answer the question, when are you going to win again, and even he said hopefully we'll have to wait five more years, um, you know, it, it, it is big. I think it's big for the psyche. But to believe, I think that's what we love watching in sports, isn't it? And and then oftentimes it's a team game where you've got to have everybody come together. There's no one else to come together in golf. You're you're out there on an island. You're all by yourself. As Tony said yesterday, it's hard to fail in front of the world. It's hard to lose. I believe was the term. Sorry, it's hard to lose in front of the world. And um, you know that it's a it's a micro um, scope right there on top of you, and and you have to hit the shots. And Cam Smith, I mean, think about how Cam Smith's feeling. Tony knows how he's feeling a little bit, right? I mean, 
Well, Cam Smith was a was an eight footer away from a fifty nine. You know, just a couple of days earlier, and has already won this year. Is one of the best putters on tour, and and he just the driver has been a struggle for him. And under the pressure, he completely hits it out of bounds. I mean, that's I don't think there's anywhere in his mind he thought that was going out of bounds. And so, um, you know, for Tony to to step up there in the clutch. I mean, let's just look at his back nine. Right, he entered the final round two back, but he turned it on on the back nine, stuffed it on twelve, eagle on thirteen, birdie at fourteen, great par save on fifteen. Adds another at 16, and then the clutch up and down at 18. I, I mean, I don't know how, for a for a final 9:30. That that is just some great, great playing, as he said, chasing the number one player in the world in John Rahm and and doing what he needed to do, and then hitting the clutch tee shot on 18 as well, and putting the pressure on Cam Smith. So I love it. Uh, he gets into the top six now uh, for Ryder Cup, so he'll make it automatically. No captain's picks needed. Um, so it's just a, it's a great it's it's a great story for Tony. Great timing and. And, and that's what you love to watch in sports, going back to the beginning of my comment, is how guys are able to battle adversity and then overcome it. It's inspiring for all of us in the little battles that we have in our own lives, not on as big of a stage as what we see these sports heroes do. And, and uh, it, it was awesome to watch. Really, really happy for Tony. Especially, there's two things I want to get to you with, but I'll get to the first one now and then circle back. Especially in his situation, because if you look at golf, by and large, it is the guys who succeed are the ones who come from some degree of wealth. There's very few Lee Trevinos and Tony Finau's who didn't come from much, virtually came from nothing at all, and made their way. It's somewhat of a country club sport, and you see it at the high school level. The teams that have the country club and the high school boundaries tend to be really good at golf because they're playing at a young age and they have all these opportunities presented in front of them. And Tony didn't have any of that. We all know his story. So it becomes even more inspiring for those, so many of them, including myself when I was a kid, who didn't come from any degree of wealth. And it sends the message that work at it, my friends, whatever it might be, and you have the opportunity to succeed. I'm inspired. Let's go. Let's yeah. do it. Man. Yeah. It's, it's like it feels like a Monday morning. Let's go get it. Let's make that sale. Let's close that deal. There you go. Way to go, PK, man. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> close that sale. ABC, always be closing, Brian. There you always go. Exactly. be closing. Hey, I was curious about the uh, you know the, just the fact that this tournament got to 20 under. Does it does the PGA Tour want? If not a major, you know, not everybody has to go crazy like the USGA has and hold everybody to even par, but 20 under, good grief. I mean, the yeah. two guys in the playoffs, neither guy had a round in the 70s. Well, look, <clears throat> we talk about this on the show quite a bit with the caddy, but you give the best players in the world a soft golf course and perfect putting surfaces, and you can't. there's nothing you can do. doesn't matter how long the golf course is. doesn't matter how deep the bunkers are. You know, they are just going to light it up. I mean, look at Tony hits a six iron, two nineteen into thirteen, the par five, and just absolutely stuck it to what three, four feet, and knocks that in for eagle. I mean, you just you, you <laughs> it's us. the the great equalizer in in the game is not distance; it's firm, fast greens, and that is the only way that you can put pressure on these guys. And then you got to grow a little rough up because to hopefully take some of the spin off the shots that they're going into those firm, fast greens. So when you've got a hurricane that drops nine inches of rain, they were, I mean, that grounds crew pulled up a miracle just to get the golf course ready to play. So hats off to them. Um, really awesome that they were able to do that. But that golf course had no chance. And so Tony knew that. That's why he knew he needed to get to 20, and he had to put the pedal down. And, 
yeah, are you going to see normally back nine on Sunday, in this case Monday, you know, final round, you know, finishes? Not not normally, but again, uh, it's an outdoor sport. Sometimes you get the baked out, you know, really tough conditions where holding on for par is good. And in this case, it was just, you know, forget about it. These guys are, especially when, when you're on like Tony's on, uh, he, he's going to light it up. Now, here's where I depart from you guys. And I think after I say what I say, you'll agree with me. Once again, that I'm right and you're wrong and that this doesn't take the pressure off Tony. If anything, it increases the pressure on Tony because you're really good. You had all these close opportunities to win golf tournaments. You didn't get it done. Now you got it done, and we expect more. We're much as given, much as uh, as expected, as you guys know, you church-going dudes that you are. So with that in mind that it doesn't decrease anything. It just increases. And when he tees it up next week and whenever, and the next year when we get to April, he's going to expect be expected to not only contend but to win, which is a great thing. You want that, and that's what he's got. Well, you know, it's where much is given, much is uh, required, I think, is actually the, uh, the church-going term. But we'll throw expected in there. For I mean, term. I get to the building, but I don't ever go in. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, anyway, um, so d- does that ramp up the pressure? It's interesting because Tony, in his mind, if you listen to his comments, he hasn't changed his expectations one iota. So does it add more pressure where he becomes one of the favorites? I would, I would suggest that he has been one of the favorites going into all of the majors over the last several years. And if anything, he was starting to, I guess, fall out of that limelight, if you will. And, and I think Tony's a guy that thrives on it. You know, I think the fact that he played in the final group of the 2019 Masters with the greatest player maybe ever, certainly of this generation, in Tiger Woods, and got to see a firsthand look at how Tiger went on to win his 15th major. I mean, that that's invaluable experience, and he loved being there in the moment. And other than the shot he hit into the water on 12, he matched Tiger shot for shot down the stretch at Augusta National. So he knows he can, he can do it. I don't think he's afraid of the moment. I don't think the pressure is going to be too great for him. I just think it's going to be – I think players will take confidence off of being back in those premier groups. And I've been watching Tony over the last, over this whole year, actually. If you look at it, he's he's suddenly not in those premier groups anymore. The guys he's being paired with in the first couple of rounds aren't the Justin Thomases and the John Roms. It's the, I don't want to call them B players, but certainly A minus players. And so with this win and being number one in the FedEx Cup, and by the way, with just, just a three tournament series in the FedEx Cup now, he's in great position to win that. The, the whole thing. Um, should he go on to become the FedEx Cup champ and play well in the Ryder Cup and all that, right? He is going to be in those premier groups. He'll be the darling. Everybody loves Tony. It's hard not to love Tony. Yeah. And now that he's winning, it's just going to, his popularity is going to go through the roof. I think his confidence goes right there with it. And, and I'm probably more on the side that we've got floodgates opening as opposed to in, increased pressure that's going to make it more difficult for him. Well, then all is well. Oh, we got to ask the question, man. Well, Utes, not all well. Utes or Cougars? Everyone is trying to claim him. Everybody loves a winner. Kyle says, "Well, I don't want to tell you what Kyle says." Yak, play for him. What Kyle says about you. One more time. He's a you. He's a you. He comes to all their games, but there's video of Kalani celebrating, watching, uh, watching him win. So, Ute or Cougar? What do you think? I answered that question on your Twitter account already. By the way. Oh, good and I answered it. I'll answer it again on the air. Please. He's Utah. He's all of us. 
He's he he no, he is no. red. He's blue. He's jazz purple. Cop out. He is cop he out. Is all of us, and cop. we all can relish in what Tony Fino no, no, does no, as no. a person and as an athlete. You can 100%. only be a Ute or a Cougar. You can't Not be true. both. Get out of town, Brian. If you Come didn't on. The school and you didn't play for the school. You represent all of us, and you know what. Right now, more than any, I know you. I know that I, I get it. It doesn't play the game on sports radio, but no. now more than ever, no. we need guys like Tony to bring us all together, yo. No, Tom, you're wrong. He's me. wrong. He's wrong. Tom Hagen. Tom Hagen tweets at us. If only there was something in his PGA bio to clear this. Tom up. Tom Hagen. Yeah, the consulary. Exactly. <laughs> no, but Brian, a, Brian, my friend, I'll prove that you're wrong because. You are an elected official. I represent it. We're going to reunite the country. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. You're a Democrat or you're a Republican. You're a Ute and a Cougar. And that's an excellent example because we all know the Democrats go to Utah and all the Republicans go to BYU. If you're going to lump politics into our sports talk, I think we're not going to tune in anymore. Sorry, man. Come on. You're killing me here. Well, I'm a political animal and I don't make any apologies for it. We don't. We turn into DJ and PK because we don't want to listen to politics, man. We want sports. We want good stuff. Go back to that motivational speech. You wanted me to go close the deal earlier. I like that PK. All right, but what are you going to be wearing? You going to be a BYU entrepreneur or going to be a sociology major from Utah? Wow, look at the stereotypes. <laughs> Just dropping them right and left. Just dropping. Hey, okay, all right. To all feed into your point. I had a chance to go down to the Utah Open last week, and uh, speaking of BYU entrepreneurs, Ryan Smith spent some time with the media, and interestingly enough, talked for about five minutes on Tony being an elite player right before he goes on to win. So, uh, so that's he pretty knew. cool. So. He knew. He knew. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's. I think he's played with Tony several times, right? Yes. The eighth item. In his personal bio at the PGA Tour website, favorite teams are the Los Angeles Lakers, the Dallas Cowboys, the Utah Utes, and the USC Trojans. Oh, there. That settles it. He's a Ute. There it is. Although he lives in Scottsdale now, so we'll get him. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to turn him against USC and Utah? Yeah. That level of mediocrity? Come on now. Oh, listen to him. Oh, boy. You, boy, we own a 6-3 and record against you since you've been in the conference there, big guy. Is that true? Is that true? No, that's just a fact. I don't know if it's true, but it's a fact. (laughs) You will love this, and you know who said it, too, Brian. We had a producer, and I I don't know what was said. Something was said, and the producer said, and that's a true fact. (laughs) <laughs> and we have never forgotten that that was hilarious we burst out laughing the producer what what a true fact as opposed to the other kind a political fact I think they're going back to PK wrap it all up there there it is yeah alright well thanks yeah. for coming on and chatting about Tony's win and uh, we will catch up with you again around the Ryder Cup probably Absolutely, and yes, uh, and by the way, go Utes. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm a Ute fan, but uh, not a hater, and uh, I'm sure Tony's uh, all about uh, his brother Kalani down there as well. So, uh, good stuff. We'll look forward to the Ryder Cup, and hopefully Tony's hosting the, hoisting that uh, Tiffany Crystal coming up here in two weeks. That'd be pretty sweet. Mm, yeah, $10 million bucks that goes with it. <laughs> not too bad. <laughs> Thanks, boys. There's Brian Taylor, Real Golf Radio. Saturday mornings, 6 to 9, right here on the Zone Sports Network. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. Stay with us. 
Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag NFL. We're going to see, but I doubt it, dude. I doubt it. I strongly doubt it. That's Lamar Jackson. Will people figure him out? He's a victim. <sighs> Haven't, hasn't anybody already figured him out? I don't, don't figure me out, but give me that kind of cash. Figure him out. They can't do anything about it. I could be a mystery all I want. But let me make over a million a year. <laughs> I'm a well-compensated mystery. No mystery for Travis Etienne. He has been placed on season-ending injury reserve. Liz Frank injury needs surgery done for the season. Got hurt Monday night against the Saints. So, Jacksonville. Is it like the Lou Gehrig disease, Liz Frank? Uh, no. Named after Liz Frank? Mm, I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah, me. Find a medical student. Ask them. Jets starting left tackle. Maggie Beckton left practice due to a concussion. Battle in the Eagles. Out. It's going to make the story even that much more impressive. <laughs> Running around back there. Mind a makeshift line. Guys dropping like flies, and he's still Ooh, really good. Let's, let's go. Prediction time. The phrase you're about to get sick of is off-platform. I don't even know what that is. He, he makes throws on the run. But he's off-platform. His feet aren't set. I, I, I don't know what that means. I've never heard of that, nor do I want to hear about that. You're going to hear about that. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm going to tune I it out. I can't believe you haven't heard of it. Well, you just then you have Shocking. a simple mind, I guess. But you're going to be overwhelmed by it. Well, he's off-platform going, throws. He's going to win Rookie of the Year. How many times i got to say it? I've never been more sure of anything in my life. Well, Travis Etienne might have been some competition, and now he's out of the picture. Cliff Branch, a three-time All-Pro, late wide receiver, former Super Bowl-winning head coach Dick Vermeil, named finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Branch was a senior finalist. Vermeil, the coach finalist, the five-person panel for the Cliff Hall Branch, of Fame. Cliff Branch in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Cliff Branch. Broke my heart a million times. He was good. Well, then he should have been in a Hall of Fame way before that if you broke somebody's heart a million times. I agree. I agree. I'd have voted for him. Rams get Sony Michel from uh, the Patriots. L.A. sent in the Pats two conditional draft picks. Sports has broken your heart? Well, at that age it did. It doesn't now, but yes, at that age it definitely did. Really? Yes. What age was that? Uh, junior high, high school. Crushing losses. <laughs> then I realized they were just bad, and they stacked the deck against themselves. And I got over it. Then it went to disappointment. Now it's really into Shrugville, which is not far from Busville, just right down the road. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. 
It's about trust. It's about we've looked each other in the eye. We've made an agreement. We have great confidence and faith. Our board chairs have looked each other in the eye and have committed to the same level of support and connection to one another. Our athletics directors have done that. Yeah, oh, geez. We have looked each other in the eye. Did Oklahoma, Texas, the Big 12 commissioner and the SEC commissioner look each other in the eye? So I had my men's league pushed back because one of the guys couldn't go as we normally go right after the show. So I was available to listen to that whole thing, and I did. Yeah. There's nothing to it. (laughs) I've been saying it for over a week. I I want people to come up with great mergers. I was talking to Joe Ingles the other day. And we've decided to merge our finances and then divide them evenly. <laughs> Great mergers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you win. That would be your best plan ever. You pull that off, congratulations. Uh, these, these phenomenal mergers. What is it to it? It's three guys who wanted to steal some attention. How can they trust somebody? Klyovkov you've known for two months. And you have complete <laughs> trust for him. And, and Warren... An ASU kid uh, down from the Phoenix area. Uh, he hasn't been on the job that long. And who's the other dude from the ACC? I, I don't get it. What are we? What are they doing? There was nothing that was concrete. Zippo, you love concrete. It's got to be tangible, man. Yes. I, you wanted to know, and you want to know it immediately. There was nothing there. I think the thing that is there is fear. I think that it's a handshake agreement because they couldn't possibly get 41 people to agree on anything and sign it. I don't think they shook hands. I don't think they were in each other's uh, presence. I don't don't think they need to. I think fear unites them. I think they have just woken up to the possibility that ESPN and and the SEC were looking to monopolize college football. And most of those 41 teams, a lot of them, maybe not most of them, yeah, probably a little more than half, though, would be out. They would not play at the top level of college It doesn't matter football. what they think. I'm not saying they're going to be able to pull off what they want. They still may lose this battle. No, I'm and, talking about these bottom teams. You're along for the ride. Right it's now, like Larry Scott told, told Chris Hill to shut up. Yes, but right now you have the votes and everyone's interests are aligned, so they don't need to tell you there to shut no up. There are no votes for what? Realigning the college football uh, <laughs> playoff. And not giving ESPN carte blanche and making sure that Fox and CBS get cut in on so a package. So they'll just when go and do their expanded. own thing if that's the big deal. Well, and they may because they may lose. And I agree with you there. That may well happen. This is their only chance. It's like junior in- college. They won the national championship. <laughs> California doesn't participate in any of that stuff. Right. There's no such thing. So if they're going to stonewall the SEC, fine, we'll just do our own thing. You want to cooperate with the big dog. You don't want to piss him off. We'll see how it plays out. But I think that's what's holding them together right now. Is they're going to make sure that... There's nothing holding them together. Fear. But fear is not binding. (laughs) It is if you all feel fear at the same time. It can get you all aligned. Like, we're going to vote for a 12-team playoff that includes TV packages and includes Fox and CBS. We're keeping them in the pool and we're getting money out of them. Now, ultimately, Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and Notre Dame and a bunch of other schools may all end up in a 32-team SEC. This reminds me of coach-in-waiting. 
It seems like half the time it never comes to pass, unless it's your uh, son. You could, and 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 I am I am with you. This may not come to pass. What they want there's do, nothing to come to pass. Well, they want to they want to make sure the SEC doesn't raid their leagues more. And there, there's there's nothing stopping that. That is true, and that's why I say what they're trying. <laughs> so to there's do, nothing there. What they're trying to do may not work, but I think that's what they're trying to do, and they don't want to say it out loud. So that's why it sounds like there's nothing. That's what it is. They don't want to say it out loud and admit it. And it may not work. They may get rated. We may have a 32-team SEC that has a deal with ESPN. And CBS and Fox just get out of college football and go invest in other sports. Mayor Rocky, he's going to merge with Denver. So we're going to get half the Bronco home games. <laughs> okay. Yeah, is, he, is he still the mayor of Rocky? No. Who's nah, the mayor? For, for multiple mayors ago, it wasn't. Multiple mayors ago? Yeah, it's... Um, Was he I the know, last Republican? It's, uh, it's uh, Bronco's cousin. Bronco's Aaron cousin? Mendenhall. That's Aaron, what I'm saying. Aaron Mendenhall. That's why we want the Broncos. That's exactly... They're our cousins. That's precisely what I'm saying. Let's merge okay. with Denver. Your ability to spin stuff is incredible. <laughs> and we're going to get half their home. We're going to have four home games every year. We'll split. Anytime they play a non-Sunday game, Provo. Pac-12 Commissioner George Klavkov says the university will announce the next few days that they intend to explore expansion. It's the, and the conference, addition, not the university. The addition of new universities to the conference. Well, who was it? Some football dude said that uh, he had it all laid out. Oh, it was uh, Wanstead. Wanstead said on Fox Radio that it's going to be uh, uh, Kansas State and Oklahoma State. And then he had Kansas and somebody else going to the Big Ten. It said that's they had some meetings, and that's what he was told. And then he repeated it. So they're not going to poach anybody, but we'll decide by the end of the week that we're poaching somebody. Well, yeah, they don't mind poaching the Big 12. They're not in the alliance. You're not in. We're taking care of you later. Okay, but now, those those two schools then, they had no say in this, this groundbreaking, earth-shattering alliance? Nope. Probably not. That's a joke. If you knew you're going to take them, everyone is equal here. This is the law of what's that law you guys do where you pool all your money? What's it called? The law of consecration. Consecration, yeah. That's a heck of a law if you're down on the bottom. I know what I'm here for. Thank you, Elder. And he knew that term just like that, and he tries to hide it. (laughs) (laughs) What am I hiding? I got a long list of stuff. Is he or isn't he? Texas Tech announced uh, the Oregon transfer be the Red Raiders starting. That's Tyler Shock. You don't know how to pronounce. His I name. cannot. I can never say his name. <laughs> oh, I got Tyler down pat. It don't looks worry like Shuff or I know, and I screwed it's Shuck. up. It's Shuck. Thank you. Just think, oh, when he throws a pick, oh, Shuck. <laughs> <laughs> so Matt Wells has his guy, Phoenix kid. I might add, Tyler Shuck. Well, that's not good enough anymore. Now I need to know which high school in Phoenix. I'm going to get this down. I'm going to know Phoenix High School football. So much talent there. Oh, let's see. Uh, backyard. Depending on where he lived, obviously. Uh, Do they have open nice. enrollment there? Can they bounce around? Well, it's a huge valley now, so, I mean, you're not going to go if you live in Northwest. You're not going to go to Chandler. Take you two hours to get there. It's like a... So, Sewell's a power. Yeah. Hamilton. Hadn't heard of them. Chandler. Of yes. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. 
Milwaukee Bucks give head coach Mike Budenholzer a three-year contract extension. Led him to the NBA title. He's now under contract for four years to the end of the 2025 season. Of course, he's an Arizona guy. Holbrook. Holbrook. Got to memorize that. Got it. Holbrook. I was reading Sports Illustrated. They were giving out grades and off-season moves. Mm-hmm. And my Utah Jazz got the grade that avoided me often in college. <laughs> A. Oh, I was going to say B minus. The unattainable B minus. You confused us with that no, little I analogy. Lived in the B minus category. Oh, really? That was my neighborhood. I thought you peaked at C plus. I thought the B minus was what you were reaching for. No, I think. Game and A, huh? I think I graduated right with like a 3-0, or something. And uh, rewarding them uh, primarily for re-signing Mike Conley. And I actually uh, saw like this the, morning. Like the upgrades around the I edge. I didn't want to be late, so I didn't read it, but I highlighted it and I got it on my phone if you want to get into it. Uh, okay. We will, we will get into that, Jazz fans. Nick Center, Nerland's Noel filed, filed a lawsuit against his former agent, Rich Paul, and Clutch Sports on Monday. Claims he lost $58 million in potential salary while he was re- represented by them from 2017 to 2020. That's a lot of cash. Yeah. He had been represented by his agent, Happy Walters. He's offered a four-year, $70 million deal by the Mavericks, a number that was reported by several news outlets that summer during the free agency process. Noel said he fired Walters and hired Paul. Noel said Paul advised him to pass on that offer and accept a one-year deal so he could be an unrestricted free agent the following year. When Paul said he could get Noel a more lucrative deal, but he got injured and missed 42 games. He's not that good. Man, if I'm Happy Sanders I'd, or Walters, I'd be sad. And Clutch Sports, that's LeBron's hand-picked dude. Yes, it is. You're going against LeBron. Mm, you can't do that. The country can't do that, let alone Norland's Noel. Norland's just did it. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Breaking ball is swung on, hit in the air to left field and deep. That ball is high. It is far. It is gone. Into the Yankee bullpen in left field. It is a two-run home run for LeMayu. David John makes long gone. He hits a two-run blast to left. And the Yankees take a 4-2 lead. In Major League Baseball, Belt drives one to left. This one has a chance. It is gone. Opposite field, Brandon Belt. Giants go back. Back to back, it's 6-0. It's all about streaks now, PK. We got teams that are really hot and teams that are really cold. The Yankees have won 11 in a row. They beat the Braves 5-4, three homers in that game. Yankees 11 in a row. Lead the uh, wild card comfortably right now. Got a four and a half game cushion over Oakland. The Dodgers have won 14 out of 16. They beat the Padres 5-2. A.J. Pollock was the star of the game. He had a two-run single. Took away a two-run homer from Manny Machado. Jumping above the left field wall. Pulling that ball back in. It looked like it was gone. So... Yeah, it was He's gone. the hero in that one. That's why I've been saying for years, all stadiums can have a fence no taller than eight feet. Because that's one of the most exciting places. And this is a dying, boring sport, so you need excitement. And he went back to the wall, jumped, jumped, timed that perfectly, took that. It was clearly a home run. Those three fans right behind him, closing their eyes at the last second. Come mm-hmm. on. 
Just but I don't live. think he reached into the crowd. So well, his arm went back. Yeah, so they could have gotten in front of the glove. Then you think was he over the wall? Because you can't go into the field of play. You didn't get kicked out for that, and they'll award the home run anyway. Yeah, but he made the catch, so it wouldn't matter. I know, but it get in front of that glove. It didn't matter. So it was. Out. If they might have argued the yeah. Dave Roberts if the ball had uh, deflected yeah. off his glove, but he made the catch, so there was no argument there. But robbing a home run is always a highlight. The only two ballparks that I will allow it are Wrigley and Fenway. <laughs> They're grandfathered in. Yes, but everybody else, you've got to have an eight-foot wall, or you can have it lower, but eight-foot is uh, good to where, like, the Dodgers down the line and right, it's much shorter than that. Yeah, they got a little three-footer there. Yeah. So you can make the catch. That was a, sensa- a sensational catch. I don't mind the three-footer. Every once in a while you see a guy fall into the oh, stands. Oh, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fall yeah. into some fan's lap. Yeah, Fenway has it over there in right center, or along, yeah. starting on right, going all the yep. way, and then it gets bigger, obviously. Wrigley's got the basket and the brick wall. You're not going to mess with that. You're not going to mess with the green monster. No, no, not at all. No. And, but the rest of them, it's, it's an exciting play. And then Brandon Belt gets four hits on the morning of the death of his grandmother, and he dedicates the game. Yep. Giants are probably hoping somebody dies today. I mean, that's incredible that you dedicate on the death of your the day your grandmother, I assume he's close to her, and he has the focus. He still goes out and plays because they're in, they're in a heated uh, drive to maintain or keep uh, Ward off the Dodgers. That win kept them two and a half games in yeah, the Dodgers. So there's plenty of time, obviously, for the Dodgers Giants. to catch them, and you want the division rather than the wild card, so you have a four-game series as opposed to one and get your pitching set. So it's a big deal to win the division now. Uh, and he goes out and gets four hits and two home runs? Wow. Yep. Giants beat the Mets 8-zip. That's awesome. The long-suffering Mariner fans have hope. They sweep the Oakland Athletics. 5-1 the final score. They are getting themselves right into the wild card race. They're just a game behind Oakland, who's got the second yeah, wild Jim card. Jim Presley's starting to heat up. Hey, they're prolonging my inevitable. No. Oh, are you kidding are you kidding? Nope. They're just getting they're just getting it going. Jeff Conine, he's starting to Jeff really. Jeff Conine, nice pull. <laughs> Twenty years without playoff baseball in Seattle. Well, at least that's the got, longest in baseball. Is that the longest, the longest in, all in all sports? sports right it is now. all sports now. Yeah, okay. Was it? Were the Bills the last one? The Bills, yeah. Yep. Uh, Red Sox beat the Twins 11-9. Hunter Renfro went deep twice in that one. And the Red Sox keep pace with the Yankees. Uh, they're holding on to the wild card spots right now. Bees lose to Reno 6-5. Bees will have an off day today before opening the series in Tacoma against the Rainiers tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. You know what would be cool? I, I read that uh, So either the Dodgers or Giants, probably one's going to take first, one's going to take second, right? So they could, if they would both, I don't think it will happen. Uh, but I, I thought I saw somewhere where they've never played each other in the playoffs. Because they consider that extra game a regular season. It's not a playoff game. So when the Giants win the pennant, the Giants win the pennant. That wasn't a. Which that wasn't a, be a playoff game. But, but it was three extra games in the regular season then. That's yeah. That's what that they were a, saying okay. anyway. Well, that's how they treat the one-game playoff, so I'm not surprised. I agree with you. I would do it the other way, that it becomes a bonus postseason series. But yeah, but that makes sense to me. I don't remember them ever matching up. And obviously, they have a deep, deep-rooted connection from way back when. 
It could happen. 2021. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming up, Riley Jensen's going to join us at 8 o'clock, our college football insider. Matt Brown, Extra Points newsletter and podcast covering college football nationally, will join us at 9 o'clock. Question of the day, what's the point of this Big Ten ACC Pac-12 alliance? We will get to that next. Stay with us. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30, presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON, on your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 975-1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day, 130's Hanson Scouting announced another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health Fitness here on the Zone Sports Network. Gonna have the stones all day, aren't we, Yach? Might as well. Yeah, Charlie Watts died yesterday at age 80. I mean, the stones are clearly the most iconic Rock and roll band. He joined in 1963. What is that? 57 years ago? Yes. Eight years ago, something like that? No, 57. You got it. Yeah. I mean, come on. And and they're getting ready to go back out on tour. They were going to go last year, but the pandemic hit. They did a thing on television when everything was shut. And they, uh, he just air drummed because there it was acoustic and there was no need for him to be. But they had him on there. And... Yeah, 80 years old, Charlie Watts. Well, I'm married to the same gal all this time, too. Yeah, I think he married her that very year, like in 1963. He's been married to the same woman. You think, I mean, if you add up all of the wives that Mick had, I don't think they even add up to age 63 or 57. Seems like he gets, you know, us rock and rollers, we go very young. Uh, and he was the guy who the, the, the LA Times has a great lead this morning uh, on that. If the other guys were rolling, somebody had to be the stone. <laughs> and that job was Charlie Watts. And then he gave out a quote that said, uh, Mick and Keith write the songs, the music is theirs. So the bottom line is if they want me to just go wham, 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 then that's what I'll do. <laughs> I think it should be whammity, wham, bam, but I'll do wham, wham, wham. On and off the stage, he was quiet and reserved, sticking to the shadows and letting the rest of the band suck up the limelight. I've actually never been interested in all that stuff, and I still am not, he told the San Diego Tribune in 1991. I don't know what showbiz is, and I've never watched MTV. Yeah. There are people who just play instruments, and I'm pleased to know that I'm one of them. Right. He had a funny thing about he wanted him to go back to jazz clubs. He said, "Well, that's where he got it. That's where his first interest in music was." He acknowledged that the arenas were more lucrative, but he said it's hard to interact with the band when you don't even know where Rick, where Mick is, as he's gone around the corner and down the road. (laughs) Because you know this, they they, they'll have those long uh, runways, so he can interact with more of the crowd, and they can charge more money. (laughs) And he's a quarter mile away at the other end of the arena. Yeah. 
And then there's a legendary story that uh, Mick referred to him as my drummer, and he heard about it, uh, left his house, put on a, got, took a shower, put on a suit, went over to where Mick was, and Mick opened the door and he punched him in the face, and he said, don't you ever refer to me as your bleeping drummer, you're my bleeping singer. Wasn't it Keith Richards that said he, uh, the only reason he didn't let him like fall out the window that he slumped up against is because he was wearing his own jacket that he didn't want to get ruined or some <laughs> such during that whole incident? So that's the the legendary story, I think, of Charlie Watts. And those guys, man, have stayed together all these years. And they're supposed to go out on tour. And it was just announced last week that uh, Richards' side guy, who uh, he has another band, they were going to use his that drummer as they get ready to go, they're going to be in uh, at this Raider Stadium on November 6th. And uh, the report was, well, Charlie would uh, join them later on down the road. Now never. Yeah. A week later, he's dead. Paul McCartney said he knew he was sick, but he didn't know he was that sick. And it's truly a legend, no doubt about it. And if you think the Stones are over- overrated, you are a freaking idiot. Hey! Stop that. Change the channel right now. (laughs) (laughs) And it may not be your genre. I get it. But so what? Greatness is greatness. I never saw Norm Van Brocklin, but they tell me he was great. And I'm going to take their word for it. Greatness is great. It stands the test of time. A hundred years from now, the statues will still be great. They'll be great forever because they were great when they played. And they could have played in any era and still have been great. I don't care what era. Even in the three-point thing going on today, Letter Carrier would still be great. And greatness is great. It is very much so. And it doesn't matter what time it is. Featured in every single one of the band's studio albums. I guess they had another drummer early on before they took off, but... I guess it's like the Beatles. That's the last, uh, the last piece of the puzzle. Yeah, well, they've had, had a few members. Charlie. I mean, these those three have been the longest. Uh, another guy, Wyman, is out, and on uh, what's his face, Jones died. I think there. So there's been other people. Ronnie Wood is in place now, as has been for forty the, years. Yeah. All right. Well, Stones all all morning long, legend, big time. Question of the day. What's the point of this Big Ten ACC Pac-12 alliance? Yeah, you fans, this is your conference. Get on the app. Do you care? Did it mean anything to you? Are you nervous about being left behind? And to me, the answers to all of those questions are no, 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 no. You're not nervous about them being left behind? No. Really? No. I was thinking about this last night. I was sure your answer to that was going to be yes. No. Kyle said, everybody for themselves. You don't think 64 will get, or 68 or whatever it's at, will get pared down? I mean, pared down to whatever, Utes are going to be included. That is a lot of confidence. I got to say, I'm surprised. Why wouldn't you take them? What don't they bring? It's a football-driven decision, obviously. You can you can pump academics all you want. Go go ahead. Great. Go do that. Uh, do whatever you want there. 
And I don't know if Notre Dame is in the Association of American universities, universities. and artists and painters and I believe uh, they are, but I don't know. And philosophers or whatever. <laughs> but if Notre Dame wants to come, you're taking them. Whether they are or they aren't, it doesn't matter. It's about cash. So they bring the cash. And I think Utah has established itself to where you look at the conference and you take SC, Oregon, SC long-term, Oregon, they should have their record books, all their records and their media guys should have before PK, after PK. It's like BC and AD, right? Because once Phil Knight got involved... Everything, Everything changed. changed. So all that stuff that went on earlier, it doesn't matter. So after Phil Knight, before Phil Knight. And so they're a major player now. But then right, everybody else, Utah's at the top of that list. They're not going to get left behind. This is a growing area. It's like everything that comes out, the best economy, fastest growing state, St. George, fastest growing uh, metropolitan. They can't keep up. You drive down there and all you see is wood because they're building houses. Speaking of Ronnie Wood, they got housing wood and all they're doing. And no offense to Natalie Wood and Wilbur Wood and wow. Bruce Woodbury. Wow. I like going. the Bruce Woodbury shout out, though. <laughs> That's solid right there. They call him Woody. 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 Yes. Woody. So you had all these things going. You had Woody on uh, Toy Story. Go him, too. And Craig Bolajak. <laughs> Infinity, Infinity and Beyond. Yeah. That's where the Utes are going. <laughs> so all arrows in this community and this state are pointing up. I think Tom Homo was talking about that. They have that education week thing, they call it, down there in Provo, uh, what, uh, sometime in August. And he was, I thought I read somewhere in one of the websites, he was talking about, you know, the economy and how it's helped BYU. So if you got a brain, you want to be associated with the state of Utah. Well, in the Pac-12, obviously it's the University of Utah. So I have no fear that they'll be left behind. And I told you, a Pac-12 official in the restroom at Sun Devil Stadium told me, we love having Utah in the conference. In a conference that's a little short on passion, the Utes bring a bigger dose of it than most. By There's a no wide, question. By a wide margin in some cases. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've been to everywhere in this conference several times over, over many years. I can remember the first uh, Pac-12 media or ba- Pac-12 basketball thing that was in Vegas. The first year it was in Vegas, which I think was the second year of the deal of the, them being in the conference or the Pac-12 actually existing. Because the Pac-12 didn't exist until they got in. And I'm going to get my media credential for the tournament, right? And they've got a room off to the side in the MGM. And I see somebody in there, a basketball person. And Utah was down at that time, as we recall. They're down now. Uh, but he told me, he said, yeah, we don't fear Utah or we don't think Utah will stay down we fear them actually rising they just got too good of a fan base for them to be down well, that long now they've been down a little bit here and then and Harlan makes the move yeah but he was right at the time because they did get a sweet 16 and an NCAA they had, they uh, had two good years there yeah yep. 
And then it, it, it obviously it tailed off here in the last several years. But it's I, Greg Smith brings a bundle of energy. We'll see what he can do. Uh, but you have to think that it's only a matter of time before they're comp- competing for NCAA tournament bids again. And the point is that's two different sports, two different scenarios to where people have told me in the restroom at Sun Devil Stadium. I get a lot of news in the restroom. <laughs> people have time to talk. <laughs> well, it's, it's bo- interestingly, it's both on the road. Because when you're on the road, that's where you get a lot of information because people see you and you're differentiated from the 500 people who go cover the home games. And so I rarely get over the years, and having done this for many years, don't get as much information. I've had in-depth conversations with athletic directors and whatnot on the road because they see you're putting in the time and your company's putting in the money and they talk to you. And guys in this community, same type of deal. So when you're on the road, it pays off way more than you can actually tangibly um, account for. And sure enough, in the bathroom of all places, and the guys, I introduced myself and he just went nuts. I mean, I knew who he was. I'm I don't think he knew who I was, but uh, we started talking, and he just we just love having them in the conference. Yes, but will people like that be calling the shots? They'll see what this is about. If, 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 if an auxiliary person can see it, then certainly a top dog, man or woman, they would see it, or else they'd be blind. Well, it may not even come to that. It's not going to come to anything because they're going to be included. Well, maybe it won't get pared down. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm not worried about Utah being in. I'm far more concerned about BYU being in. So you're ready for BYU should be in. Ready for this shorter term because I think this is going to play out as a longer term deal. Well, nothing's going to happen for four more years. We've got four seasons, and I think the alliance can do their thing, and they'll get to do. They're going to get. They're going to split up the postseason TV deal, and CBS and Fox are going to stay in and bid on these contracts, and leagues aren't going to break up in the short run. And a commissioner knows this, and that's why he said in the short run, it'll there'll be small tweaks, but it basically. Be but the they're, same they're thing. under contract, the so there's nothing run, to change. But when in the he short says run. in the long run, I think he's talking fifteen to twenty years, and who knows if it'll get pared down then. But let's not worry about that then, right? So I think that the well, alliance now, not then, right? The alliance holds. But they expand by two teams, and are you okay with that? Because you're probably going to end up seeing less of USC and UCLA. What do you mean? I'm, I'm going to see them. They're every, not going to come. They're not going to come here as often. Fine. I mean, I'm going to see them every week. <laughs> they're on television, so you're not a season ticket holder. Are fans going to be okay with that change? Because that seems like a change that is coming. If you win the conference, they're going to be absolutely. If they had, if they decided to go to do away with divisions, and they only talking about going to eight games, that's an interesting yes. thing. Go to eight games, I think that, and I'm, UC Los Angeles and SC are happen to be buys that year, and you win the conference and go to the Rose Bowl. Are you okay with that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares if your team is running out of the tunnel on January one with the San Gabes in the background? And the sun shining, Dick Enberg and Merlin Olson announcing the game. What? <laughs> okay, whoever Dick uh, Dick Enberg and Dick Merl- Enberg Merlin and Merlin Olson. Olson announcing the game for Wilbur Wood and Charlie. And I was covering. I was in the Rose Bowl January one one day. One January one, and I was next in line at the urinal, and somebody taps me on the shoulder and says, 
Can I please jump in there because I have to get back to uh, the uh, work spot? And you I turn a lot around. Of bathroom stories. I know I do. Turn around, and it was Dick Enberg. Yeah. And I said, Mister Enberg. The urinal is yours. Did you really say that? <laughs> that would have been so formal. He probably would have laughed. I know. <laughs> so Dick Enberg, Pac-12 officials, and DJ is or isn't he? You can all trace to restrooms. Kenny Stavler. That's four. How many? How many more? I only have one bathroom story. Oh, I've got multiple. Really? Oh yeah. I got off the plane in L.A. I was down there on an assignment doing whatever, who knows, I don't remember. And you, I had to go to the bathroom, so I got off, went to the bathroom, first bathroom I see, who comes in standing next to me? The snake. I said, Kenny Stabler. Yeah, hey, yeah, how's it going? Yeah, hi, hi. I mean, you know, you're a couple of men, you're standing there, you're sort of limited. You can't really go anywhere. And then my favorite bathroom story I'm down in California, and we went out, my wife and I, staying at a hotel, and I had some stomach issues. So I didn't want to go to the bathroom in the hotel room because that might cause a problem. So I went in. <laughs> can't even say this with a straight face, and I shouldn't say it anyway, but I'm me, and people put up with me. And so I go to the bathroom in the hotel lobby bathroom, and I'm going, doing my thing. Guy walks in with like a four-year-old girl, and I could see through a little crack. <laughs> and the four-year-old says some truth? She says, oh, what is that? That's why I'm downstairs in the lobby. And I had to muffle my laughter. <laughs> and I waited till they cleared. Absolutely. Till the smoke and the coast were clear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. All right, DJ and PK, Riley Jensen, College Football Insider, coming up to talk Utes, Cougars, and Aggies at 8 o'clock. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I know that there's a lot of different rumblings and there's been a lot of different news about starting quarterbacks, but if you were listening to Scotty and I all through camp, there is no breaking news. It's just the same old news that we've been talking about. We all knew it was going to be Charlie Brewer. And you may have heard people say, oh, it's closer than you think. And Cam Rising put a heck of a battle up there, but it was always going to be Charlie Brewer. I always talked about, you know, Cam Rising is, he won a quarterback job there once, but you saw the quarterback, he won the job. Over. Yeah. Charlie Brewer is much better. There was a nice battle, but at no point, and this should be more reassuring to Utah fans than anything, at no point did Cam Rising actually take that job back from Charlie Brewer. Hanson Scotting, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Tune in Friday morning. We'll be joined by a men's health expert from the University of Utah Health discussing Peyronie's disease, a surprisingly common disorder affecting men. Special thanks to U of U Health for joining us Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. Got a lot of stuff to cover in a very short segment. I've always thought this was an underrated Stone song. This is an awesome song. They've just got so many of them. Although everybody knows it, it doesn't seem to rise to the top. 
I don't know. It's an opinion. I'm... I don't know exactly. <laughs> Charlie was 80. It was an awesome run. Hey, yesterday's poll question is all done, uh, PK. Is Tony Finau a Ute or a Cougar? Kyle claiming him as a Ute. Kalani was celebrating the win. BU fans say he was committed to BYU, but he turned pro instead of playing college golf. Finau is a Cougar, 57% of the vote. Tony's a Ute, 43% of the vote. So now we know the division between BYU and Utah fans amongst our listeners. Or I'd between. say that's probably an is amongst division. amongst or between? Uh, with two, it's between. Two. Between our listeners. Three or more is among. You can go amongst, but yeah. I prefer to among. All right, so there it is. So four to three Cougar fans outnumber BYU, uh, Cougar fans outnumber Ute fans. Four to three. Figure that's about right now. In the community, in the yeah. along the front, I would say yeah. yeah. I think there's more BYU fans in Utah, but Utah not is as many more the as there used to be. Considerably, yeah. right? All right, and then uh, another thing we got to get to in this segment: Arizona has a quarterback. <laughs> They'll have one eventually, but they're going to have two for BYU. That's what Fish announced yesterday. They're going to go with a couple of them. I think Cruz is going to start. Who's the other one? Is it Plummer? Plummer, uh, correct, yeah. And Plummer played a little bit last year. He's a Phoenix kid, and I think so is Cruz for that Hold matter. Hold on, a local kid staying home. Just kidding. Yeah. 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 What is this? So he went down to— Both Arizona boys. Yeah, and uh, Cruz went to Washington State and didn't see the field, uh, and then he's going to transfer down, and then Plummer went down there, got in there a little bit last year. I thought he looked okay. Uh, with the qualifier that he was a freshman. So both of those kids to, are going to play. To me, that just screams yeah, BYU's going to win this thing. If they don't, I'd be woefully and dis- bitterly disappointed and would cancel last year's 11-1. and Didn't you already think BYU's going to win this thing? Does this really change anything? Oh, after you go from all 90%. the energy that Jed Fish has brought in? I mean, I thought Jed Fish... He was going to supersede Pete Carroll, what he did at SC. Seems unlikely. (laughs) (laughs) What Chris Peterson did at Washington. That also seems unlikely. The only thing I'm assured of, he's going to supersede what Kevin Sumlin did in Tucson. Everybody will? He had 8,000 students come out, said, we need you to be as loud as bleep. (laughs) I never knew bleep was loud. Sometimes it gets loud when I bleep, but that's another story. Perhaps that's what he was referencing. <laughs> That'd be a new sound out of a crowd and slightly horrifying. More than horrifying. Let's go back to the taped audio that we had during the pandemic. It's a little safer than whatever's happening I in Arizona I don't know now. that enthusiasm in hiring ex-Wildcats, if that's all it takes then why didn't somebody think of that before? Just come in and be all upbeat and great and blah, blah, and hire a couple of Wildcats on your staff and hire some of the higher profiles. It's not like you, you got 500 of them running around out there. They tried to get Brewski, and so he's going to be a consultant or something, but he's not going to leave his Massachusetts home. I'll help you. Yeah, that's... From here. I sign off on the Alliance. And what the crap are you going to do in Massachusetts? So what that means in January and February, after the NFL season ends, or February, you're going to go out to Tucson because it's better weather than in Massachusetts? Sure. (laughs) I'll do that. Because he's still in the NFL stuff. How can he get down there during the season? And nobody wants to go there in July and August. 
if he's got to be on set, you know, if they'll let him zoom, then then all of a sudden November he could no, he could dump Massachusetts November. But if he's, he's got to be on set, then never he's mind. one of their high profile guys. I saw multiple times in November when the Utes were down there. Terry Francona on the sidelines. He played at U of A. Baseball manager, not having just, some health problems. Getting down there for a little fall instructional ball, and then might as well hang out and wait for spring training because uh, maybe he's on in the winter. He lives down yeah, here in off season. I don't know. That but, would I mean, sense. he's a U of A guy. I can tell you that much. Uh, and so I've seen him on the sidelines uh, of some games. So uh, to me, and I would have much rather had a quarterback just take hold of the position sure. and run right. with it. Uh, but at the same time. Jed Fish can be uh, Tony Robbins uh, or Dick <laughs> Vitale or, you know, whoever is Mr. Enthusiasm. Tony Robbins, I like that. Uh, but he's still going to need time, and he deserves the time. Right. So that's why I thought this was, from the Arizona perspective, I guess it's interesting because quarterback stuff always is, but from the BYU perspective, I thought it was supposed to be a win before they decided this, and now that they've decided it, I still yeah, think it's supposed to, to be a win. but you listen to Greg Hansen of Tucson, the sports columnist, he's been, I think he's like 70 years old, too. He's been there since the early But even 80s. he said, you know, I might be getting caught yeah, up in this. Yeah, okay, but he was getting, okay, he's getting caught up in it, and he expected it to be competitive Which is game. Which way of saying I'm overselling it. Go what? back and listen, man. He was talking about this being a competitive the, the game. The thing he said that caught my ear was when he started talking about the accomplished transfers. Guys who play at a quote-unquote lower level of football. Well, guys from the quote-unquote lower level of football make the NFL. So they could have an impact in the Pac-12. That wouldn't be outrageous. lower level of football? Well, because he was talking about the transfers they had who were you know, all-conference, won awards in the MAC and that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, but they've, had a, they've got transfers from Texas. they got transfers mm-hmm. from Northwestern. So that's why Washington State. we know historically you need a bunch of time. Can he hit on these transfers no. and build a 6-16? Six and 16? I, I, I don't. Well, sure he can, but I don't and know about this then year. Then that enables them to possibly pick off a game like this BYU game. Anthony Bandy says they're going to win. There it is. Probably their best player. The they line, got two quarterbacks that can play with any team, the Hanson ga- said. The gamblers did not react. The line stayed at BYU by 11. I'm surprised because Willie No Neck Rodriguez listens to the show. <laughs> no, Willie No Neck. <laughs> DJ PK, when we come back, Riley Jensen joins us, our Call June Football Insider. We'll see what he thinks about this. That's next. Stay with us. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Get ready for the upcoming Utah Jazz season at the Jazz Team Store. End of summer sale, August 26th through 28th at Vivid Arena. Get great deals on the latest jazz gear. So uh, that's tomorrow. That is a fact. That would be uh, today is uh, Wednesday, right? Tomorrow is. So it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday sale. So if you want to see the most handsomest two guys on 1280 The Zone, come down to the team store tomorrow between 2 and 6. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> and you will see the fogies down there <laughs> okay so we went from the handsomest dudes the, to the godfather fogies? and fredo gord monson and me <laughs> doing the show tomorrow this staff has a lot of gifts but the handsome area might not be well, that's know, why i said most handsome but it's right. all relative though yeah you're right i'm not as ugly as you well thank you <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha 
Joining us now, the guy we love to talk to, regardless of where he ranks on the handsome scale, and I'm not going to get into it, but I suspect PK's about to, Riley Jensen, our college football insider. And he joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Riley, good morning. Good morning. I was just going to say, I mean, where does elite come into this conversation? Because I feel like, I feel like, you know, who cares about looks if you're elite, right? Yeah, but for me, it's just icing on the cake. <laughs> it's it's the gravy on your meal, right? Yeah, precisely. <laughs> Got it. Love talk, love talking quarterbacks with the former Utah State quarterback uh, <laughs> Riley Jensen, and, and PK has brought up the fact that Arizona has decided to go with two quarterbacks against BYU. I thought before I heard that BYU should win this football game, and after hearing that, I thought BYU should win this football game for Arizona. You know, it's a progression and all that, and so Wildcat fans, I get why they'd get into this, but for BYU fans. I'm having a hard time getting worked up. Yes, they have to prepare for two quarterbacks, but I don't. I don't see how this should change the outcome. Do you? Well, it would be hard. It would be hard to say that. That. I mean, what? I can't remember the last time. Maybe. Maybe the only exception to this rule where you had two quarterbacks that played really well, and and the team did really well was like Mark Brunel. In like, and I'm sorry, I'm going clear back to like 1989 or 90, and I can't even remember who the other guy Billy was. Billy Joe Herbert. Yeah, Hobart there you go. Herbert, there you something go. like that. There yeah. you go. They call him Billy yeah. Joe Gunrack. That's what I remember. Okay, I don't remember his last <laughs> name, but I remember the Billy Joe Gunrack joke. So, and then Bronco That's tried to do know. it with Jay Keeps and Riley Nelson, didn't he? Yeah, and how did that work out? Didn't work out too well, did it? I mean, I, I just think that there's maybe one or two, like, total times in the history of football that, like, the two-quarterback system has worked. So I, I don't think that bodes well for Arizona. I think that bodes very well for BYU. And I think I'm just kind of surprised that Jed Fish down there, who who's supposedly a big-time quarterback guy, would, would take that approach, other than the fact that he just doesn't feel like he has a quarterback at all. And so he's like, look, we'll just – we're just going to do what we can to get through this, right? So I, uh, that's a hard, that's a hard, that's a hard one for me. That's a really hard one for me. Yeah, I asked Whittingham the other day with Brewer going to be the starter, and then um, they're playing Weber. And since they said by their own admission that it was neck and neck with Brewer and Rising going forward here, that I thought maybe they wouldn't come out and say it. Because Kyle is adamantly opposed to a two-quarterback system. But my line of thinking is maybe you give both guys a shot against Weber uh, and go from there. If it's neck and neck, so that's the thing about it. it, it, You're so close where in every other position you'd probably get some PT. But here, if it's so close and the other quarterback beats you out barely and then you don't play at all, Seems kind of a rip, especially against the game against Weber. But it seemed like Whittingham was opposed to that. Yeah, I kind of don't blame him. I look—you make the decision and you go with the guy. You don't, 
I feel like you don't mess around with it. I, I feel like quarterbacks get messed around with more than more than ever before as far as like who the starter is going to be. We very seldom see a guy get named in the spring and give him the whole summer to settle into that leadership role and, and to kind of be the quarterback anymore. It's all about – I mean, you hear Kalani talk about it. You hear Kyle talk about it. You hear Gary Anderson when he was the coach at Utah State. Oh, yeah, these guys got to compete for their position too. They've got to – so quarterbacks don't get to ease into the position. I think the very least you could do is once you name them the quarterback, like give them a little bit of rope, like give them a little bit of like you can ease into this. Now, as far as the Weber State game goes, I, I don't. I would have no problem with with Charlie Brewer starting and playing, you know, up to halftime through three quarters, and then getting getting rising some good live reps. But I wouldn't want to give the message to the team that I'm still not sure who the guy is. If you if you pick the guy, you pick the guy and go with him. Go with it. You know, they say they're not naming him until now, and yet if you know somebody who has access to what's going on in the program, and in, in programs where there's so many local guys, that – opens up the number of people have access because, you know, players on the team. And A-Rod acknowledged, well, we haven't named it yet, but I think if you talk to the guys on the team, they know. Right? So everybody's been hearing since March, well, it's going to be, this is going to be the guy. At both Utah and BYU. So are we really going to be crossed up? Are we really going to be surprised after hearing all these rumors? I would be really surprised if it's not Charlie Brewer and if it's not Jaron Hall. I mean, I, I, to me, that just seems like the natural course of things. Now, the other thing that I'll say, you know, I, I was saying quarterbacks get kind of moved around more than ever before, and they don't get the, you know, the the luxury of, of kind of being named all summer. But I think, I think the other part about that is if you're the second string quarterback, I mean, I. Don't, I don't care what school you're at. There's a really, really good possibility that you're going to play and you're going to play and start in a lot of games and you're going to have plenty of chances to prove yourself just because the nature of the position, you know, and I feel like, I feel like there's just been a, a swing, you know, so, so you go back to the sixties and seventies under bear Bryant and, and kind of the offense is like clear back then. It was all wishbone. It was super athletic quarterbacks that could throw it a little bit, but man, they were athletic, and then these these quarterbacks started getting really hurt, you know, and and they were out, and it would cost teams national championships or conference championships, and people were upset about it. And then you swing into the '80s and the '90s and the 2000s, you know, back when I was playing quarterback, and it was a much different type of quarterback um, from the '60s and '70s, where you know we want him to stay in the pocket, we want to protect him, we want to be able to throw the ball downfield, we want this guy to be you know, a laser type passer, right? And then now we've moved into the, you know, from 2005, I think Alex Smith helped kind of change that narrative, right? In 2004, 2003, where quarterbacks started moving into this guy that's super athletic and can throw. And, you know, there was a time where I used to say, God, man, I mean, who, who does everybody think they are? There's like four, five, four or five quarterbacks in the country that can run and throw, you know? But now I would say, you know, if you looked around the country, it used to be that, like, Oregon was the only guy that had a quarterback that could run and throw the ball. And then you'd sprinkle in Tim Tebow and somebody else, and you'd go, wow, that's 
that's pretty impressive that those guys can do both, right? And then you get to now where I would say over 50% of the quarterbacks in, in the country that are starting at Division One schools are really good runners and really good passers. I mean, they, they can do it all. And But what, what you expose yourself to when you do that is the injury bug again. But I think coaches are betting on the fact that, you know, they have – a Romney in their in their backup system. They have rising in their backup system, so they can run their offenses the way they want to run them, and they're deeper than they used to be. And so I think it's an interesting idea. I think it's an interesting idea to play both quarterbacks, but I think both quarterbacks at all of these schools are going to play. I, I just really do. I think they're going to have an opportunity to have meaningful, meaningful reps and meaningful playing time this year. So when you're involved in this quarterback battle, and a lot of times it's starting this is spring, Rising didn't play in the spring, so it's a little bit different, but the others in Provo did, and then it continues in the training camp in August, and then they make a decision. How deflating is it for the guy who doesn't win the position? Oh, it's always it's always deflating. As a competitor, like, and, and to play the quarterback position, you've got to have a little bit of ego. You can't just be like, Oh no! You know what? It's all it's all good. It's all okay, right? It, it hurts. I mean, there's no question that if you're if you don't if you're not on the winning end of that decision, um, it, it's very hurtful. But I will say this, and like you were alluding to earlier, DJ, like it, it's pretty apparent before you're even told as the quarterback because you can see who's getting all the number one reps. You can see the guy that's getting the first set of the number one reps you can kind of see long before it happens. So it's it's kind of like you know it's coming, you know it's coming, you hope it's not coming, you hope you've staved it off, you hope that you're going to be the starter, and then and then, but you kind of realize that you're not, and then they tell you and it confirms it, but it's still hurtful. It's it's not a fun position to be in. When I was when I was competing at BYU for the for the job or what I thought was competing for the job, I never got I never got a rep with the number ones. And somehow, in my naive mind as a competitor, like, I thought I was going to prove all the coaches wrong and that I was going to get. And I was playing with the twos going against the ones. Sometimes my, my, my stats would be better than the number one guys, the guys that were repping with the number ones. And then I was all excited. I can remember at BYU being so excited to get to the final, like, you know, the, the, the blue and white game or the scrimmage in the, in, the, in the spring. And just before we get there, you know, Norm Chow pulls me to the side and he just says, hey, look, like, it doesn't matter what we do in this game. Like, we, we're making our decision based on the way practices went. I was like, oh, so that's then, – then I'm done. Then, then basically I knew I was done at that point, right? That, that's kind of how he told me that I wasn't going to be the first-string guy. And so – it's deflating because you feel like you've worked really hard and that you're going to get a chance to play with some of the guys that like can make plays for you. And, you know, he, he stayed true to his word. I had a really, really good spring game and he stayed with what, what he thought was best for the team. And so that changes your career. It changes your thought process. It's hard. It's a hard moment. No, no question about it. But in my era, it's a little bit different. I think, I think if I was in this era today, I would stay just because, you know, there's so many injuries, and and really, even back then, you know, Shoemaker, uh, Shoemaker and Federick were the other quarterbacks when I was at BYU. 
Um, Shoemaker struggled a little bit. Federick, Federick got hurt. And then Drew Miller was playing that year. That would have been my spot. I would have had, I would have had an opportunity to play at BYU if the whole situation had been, you know, if I, if I could have predicted the future. But I think that's much more typical of today's game than it was clear back when I was playing. Uh, that was the next thing I was going to get to, is that Kyle Winningham can go to a, call a backup quarterback into his office and say, yeah, you're number two, and that probably stings. But look at this. Look at the last four years of the University of Utah. They've had a quarterback make it through and start every game one time in four years. Huntley misses four games. Huntley misses five games. Last year, they, they picked a starter court, starting quarterback, and he made it 14 plays. So exactly. you got to be ready. And I guess especially if you're at BYU, where everyone seems to think they're three deep, because if you're number two and you're not ready, you mess up your chance, and number three grabs the reins, you may not get another one. So, you, yes, take a minute because it sucks. But then get on with it. Yeah, no, I, I you, you actually bring up a great phrase in the military. They say, "Embrace the suck, don't stay in the suck." You know, like give it a big hug, roll in it a little bit, like be upset, but give yourself a time limit for how long you're going to be upset because you got to get yourself ready and you got to be ready to play. And and it happens so much now in college football that you just can't you can't wallow in your misery for too long because you're going to get your opportunity. And like you said, if you're not ready for that opportunity. But, you know, the next guy will get an opportunity. And if he nails it, you might not ever get another shot. And so, yeah, yeah, be upset. Be upset for today. Be upset through this weekend and then be ready to go for practices and for your teammates and for everything that's good about football starting the next week, right? You think Taysom Hill is a starting quarterback in the NFL? Well, I think (laughs) – I think before this last performance, I would have said yes. Um, it's an interesting he, – he's an interesting quarterback. He has far exceeded my expectations in the NFL. Uh, it, it, and you can go back to some of the tape of me talking with you guys about Taysom Hill when he played at BYU. I, my, my biggest worry about him from way back to his days at BYU was his accuracy. It wasn't – does he have moxie? It wasn't. The, is he afraid of the moment or not? It wasn't whether he's mentally tough enough to do it. It was just there was an accuracy piece and there was a touch piece that like concerned me. And last week um, was the first time that I saw that get exposed again. Um, and so, yes, I think he's a starter in the NFL, but I don't. I don't know that it would ever be a long-term thing. Like I think he could go to a team. And he could start for a year and and be a really serviceable serviceable quarterback for a team. And I look, I could be wrong on this because he's out. Like I said, he's he's out kicked my my thoughts and my processes as far as he goes, as far as as far as his career goes in the NFL. And you just can never you can never doubt somebody that has that much mental toughness and that much like the chutzpah that he has is just really really cool. But I kind of feel like we're getting to the top of his um, potential where, yeah, he could start for a season for a team and be pretty serviceable, but the GMs and the presidents and the owners of the league are going to be looking for that, that next guy. Like he's, he's a, you know, for, for lack of a better term, he's, he's the guy that's dating someone, but 
you know, she's got one eye on him and one eye on the other guys in the room, right? And, and so, yeah, he's pretty good. We're glad he's in the room, but you know, they've got they've got an eye on somebody else too, and and that's a tough position to be in for him because it's hard to stay confident and it's hard to believe in yourself when somebody's always looking for somebody else to kind of take your place. Riley Jensen joined us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, we've talked a lot about Utah and BYU. We have not talked a lot about Utah State. Have you heard anything different coming through these scrimmages? Is there any more hope, or is this going to be a rebuilding year for the Aggies? Well, I mean, like I told you guys last week, it's still – there's a lot of enthusiasm. I was I was at their practice on Monday. There was, there was a lot of enthusiasm it's fun to see a team like hustle around, try and make plays. They're playing relaxed. Um, I think that I think that you're going to see a team that plays fast, where you're, where you're going to see an exciting brand of football. My my question mark is is can you shake off can you shake off the results of last season? Can you shake off the mentality of the last couple of years where you haven't been able to win some of the tough games and you haven't been able to be in some of those tough games? and move yourself back in the right direction. And I think that takes a lot of coaching, right? That takes coaching of the culture. That takes coaching of the players. But I think right now there's a lot of optimism, but there's a lot of optimism all the way across the country with a lot of teams. I think where we're really going to see where, where the rubber meets the road is when they get in a tough game or when they get in a tough loss, where does the mentality shift at that point? And I think that's where – Coach Blake Anderson is going to move. Is really going to earn his money and earn his keep as a coach at Utah State. Is if he can, if he can navigate those waters successfully. Riley, as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks for hopping on with us, and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Riley Jensen, college football insider, join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. More college football coming up at 9 o'clock with Matt Brown. Extra Points newsletter and podcast covering college football nationally. We'll talk with him about the alliance and what the ACC and the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have in mind. And we'll do that at 9 o'clock right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. I know that there's a lot of different rumblings and there's been a lot of different news about starting quarterbacks, but if you were listening to Scotty and I all through camp, there is no breaking news. It's just the same old news that we've been talking about. We all knew it was going to be Charlie Brewer. And you may have heard people say, oh, it's closer than you think. And Cam Rising put a heck of a battle up there, but it was always going to be Charlie Brewer. I always talked about, you know, Cam Rising is, he won a quarterback job there once, but you saw the quarterback, he won the job over. Yeah. Charlie Brewer is much better. There was a nice battle, but at no point, and this should be more reassuring to Utah fans than anything, at no point did Cam Rising actually take that job back from Charlie Brewer. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join Hanson Scotty G Friday at the warehouse from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Price is so low. It'll blow your mind. Ho, ho, ho! Let me add a boom to that, please. Can I do that? <laughs> please do. You have so many different gears. All right, you got the question up here. It did not get as much reaction as I expected. 
Arizona coaches can't make up their minds. They're going to go with two quarterbacks. No way BYU loses this game. You know? Dave says that's a great plan. Just ask Bronco, Jake, and Riley. Whoa, children! It's just a shot away! Brad says, either way, they're both really bad or inexperienced. Either way, we should win. BYU beating a Pac-12 team. It's just a shot away, shot away, shot away. Jewel says Arizona 17, BYU 13. Oh, see the fire is sweeping down on I-15 today. If you have two quarterbacks... Then you don't actually have a quarterback. Coach Ron McBride, Don says, quoting Mack from the 90s. Possibly the early 2000s. I tell you, love, 1-0, sister, it's just a kiss away, kiss away, kiss away, yeah. BYU fans do not... Change in the lyrics. I do, I like it. I see exactly what you're doing. Trying not to explain the joke, just let you do your thing. Give you free reign. You want to break the pocket and scramble? Let you break the pocket and scramble. Burns like a red coal carpet. Mad Wildcats lost their way. As a receiver, I just peek over my shoulder. Do I need to block? Or do I need to keep working my way open because he's staying behind the line of scrimmage? You need to have your hands in catch position because I'm going to put it right on the money just like I always do. I'm ready. Let's make another big play. I just done did. And then, after all that positivity, Mark posts, yeah, it's posts like this that gets BYU in trouble. Oh, BYU. BYU's been in trouble all week. I've been following the headlines. Very, very controversial. Decided not to name the starter yesterday. Going to name it today. Oh, man. The gall of them people. (laughs) (laughs) Jaron Hall. Yeah. Been waiting for him to be named for weeks, if not months now. Well, two years. Like they told him last year, get yourself healthy. You can be the starting quarterback in 2021. And here we are on the precipice, on the brink of a childhood dream. <laughs> the question. We're done with Stone's lyrics. We're back to playing the hits. I mean, I think that if you grew up a Latter-day Saint in Utah County playing football at quarterback, I would think at least to a degree you dreamed of being a starting quarterback at BYU. Must have crossed your time, uh, your mind a time or two. Yeah. Especially you, if your dad and your father, yeah, played Kalen on the BYU Hall was football a good, team. Good football player for the Cougars. He I remember was. him. So, yeah, you would think that that was the case. I mean, I can't, I can't speak for him. Maybe he dreamed of going to SC or Utah or wherever. I'm not sure, but probably a decent possibility of going to BYU and being their starting quarterback, and now you're going to get it in, uh, what, 10 days or so, whatever it is, and uh, it's an exciting time. And the great thing about it is neither of these two guys in Romney and Hall transferred in 
so you're replacing the number two quarterback in the draft, which, you know, you're who knows the next time you're going to do that. Maybe never. But the great thing about it is you got a couple of kids there who got on the field a little bit a couple of years ago. So you're not starting completely from scratch by any stretch. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to see what Jaron Hall can do because he has big play capability, and obviously he's a phenomenal athlete playing baseball. The hardest thing to do in sport is to hit a baseball and be successful at it. And he had that one thing. I mean, the statistics bear it out. You know, if you fail seven times out of ten, you're a Hall of Famer, as they say. Uh, and he had that one game where, what, he were, he was a spring quarterback and then went and hit a home run that night. Wasn't that the story? Uh, so he must be an incredible athlete. The hand-eye has got to be awesome. And to see what he can do, I'm excited for him. And I'm excited for Aaron Roderick to show what he can do. Because clearly he left BYU Utah on a sour note, right? He got fired. <laughs> All right? He's one of our own. He's a local guy all the way through. He's one of those guys that we all want our local guys to succeed. And and he had a fair amount of success at Utah. It's not like they were losing games left and right. But Kyle went with a change. And, you know, he brought up uh, somebody who had little coordinating experience. And now A-Rod has, he has the offense to himself and I have not spoken to A-Rod about this, but I have to believe he feels unleashed because I think Kalani is more willing to go offensively, take more chances to get the ball downfield and obviously get the ball ultimately in the end zone. That's what matters. Whereas Kyle was, okay, yeah, you're the coordinator, but don't screw it up. <laughs> you know, don't, don't make mistakes. Uh, protect the defense. And that's right there with uh, Under Armour, their uh, apparel company. Protect this house, protect this defense. (laughs) (laughs) Etched in stone tablets sitting on either end of Kyle's desk. And now that is not a singular offensive quarter telling me this. That's multiple. And hey, the formula has worked. When you're putting nine guys in the NFL and every freaking secondary member, you know, why wouldn't you? And you got guys who can punt the ball over that mountain. Why wouldn't you? You know, protect this defense, win the ball game. Ultimately, the fans don't really care as long as you're winning ball games. Your boss doesn't care as long as you're winning ball games. And when you win, you win football games, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Yeah, within reason, obviously. You've got to be a, a quality person, but that's long since we decided for Utah. So now, Aaron Roderick has this opportunity to cut it loose. This is his chance, man. That doesn't mean he's going to be irresponsible by any stretch, but it's his show. He's the boss. He's. I think that in this situation, he has as much authority as Norm Chow had in the positions that he had all those years. And Norm Chow might be the most famous offensive coordinator ever. Because a lot of those offensive coordinators, what do they do? They go on to be noted and accomplished head coaches 
And so they're... He became a head coach at Hawaii, but not noted and accomplished. And it was at the end in Hawaii. I mean, they just, they're batting against the odds all the time. I, I would say that no one got more fame out of being a good offensive coordinator. That's what I'm talking because about. Because a lot of head coaches were offensive coordinators. You said the same way. thing I just said. Yeah. The most famous offensive coordinator. Yes. And because you look at these young OC. wonder right. kids that uh, McVeigh and right. Shanahan, well, what do they do? They go on they to be get, head coaches. They get to be head coaching so quickly, they right. don't really build the OC rep. So nobody thinks of them as, as an o- OC. OC. They may think of them as right. offensive genius. I think Rich Rod's a phenomenal offensive mind, but again, he was He's a head, head coach. coach. As opposed to being an OC for 25 years, yeah. multiple yeah. NFL guys, multiple Heisman guys, multiple undefeated teams, on and on. Yeah, and I think that's the path that so, yeah, Aaron Roderick is going mic. on. You could just drop the mic. It's funny you mention that because the um, watching him at that press conference on Saturday, that was the first time I ever looked at him and thought he looks and sounds like a head coach. And he effectively is a, of the offense. But it goes to your point that he's the guy now in a way he's never had the authority and been turned loose. And it was just you know just little things, but just eye contact and confidence. I mean, he was just exuding it. Well, he you know? went to Kalani and he said, why don't you turn me loose? Turn me loose. Turn me loose. So that's the end of the Stones hits this morning. I've got to do it my <laughs> way. Or no way at all. Or no way at all. <sighs> yeah. That's exactly <laughs> the conversation. I was there. Maybe went to him and said, I'll be what? your beast of burden. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I'm ready to carry the burden and win it. No. We're going to turn it loose. We're going to score 40 points. Stop sweating the details on defense. We're going to give you some wiggle room. Well, I asked him We're after he got let go. 24-17 okay. and 20-19 awesome. and 16-13 and what other final scores I can remember. <laughs> well, I know when he was leaving Utah, I said... How do you sum it up? He said, I can't get no satisfaction. But I tried. And I tried. And I tried. Okay. Hey, hey, hey. Ooh. Wow. <laughs> okay, we're going to give you a break to recover from that, and then we're going to promise not to do that in the next segment. Well, you led me into it. I really did. That was I, like me I encouraged some baiting bad... Max Hall, according to Max's mother. Uh, well, I was thinking it was more, <laughs> although you make a strong point, I thought it was more like as recently as yesterday when you baited me into the Jameis Winston stats. See? <laughs> <laughs> You've led me all the way to the water. I did. And I then you were it. surprised. I was not surprised. We just wanted to laugh at your expense. Hell, it worked. <laughs> all right, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, if you're just joining us, we spent a lot of time this morning talking about the alliance. What does it mean? Why is it happening? Why does it sound ridiculous? I think there's one thing we can agree on. It's on the surface. It sounds ridiculous. Now, is it ridiculous, or is there more that they simply don't want to talk about and say out loud? We'll get to that next. One of our listeners, I think, has already hit the nail right on the head. We'll get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5, 1280 The Zone.
The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON. On your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. You don't have to bag it's a win ticket Wednesday. We'll just give you free tickets. NHL hockey's coming back to Utah. The Las Vegas Golden Knights will play the LA Kings September 30th here at Vivint Arena. Tickets are on sale now at vivintarena.com. We've got four tickets to the game for Caller 12 right now 855-340-ZONE. 855-340-9663. Four tickets. See the Golden Knights and the L.A. Kings. Question of the day. We've spent a lot of time on this one today. It's uh, got a lot of people thinking. And the question, what is the Alliance doing? What is the plan? What is the end game? Where is this going? How much of an impact is this thing going to have? Little. It's cosmetic. As part of this, do you believe they're going to eight conference games and two other Power Five games, honoring the the Baylor and the Florida contracts, but then moving on to playing... Speaking of the Pac-12. Speaking of the Pac-12. I think all three leagues will do this. And it's about creating value in the next TV deal. So the fact that they've got all these games signed for the next three to four years, they don't care. And then as the rest of them come up, they play them out. And play them out, they, buy them out. They could, they could buy them depending out. Depending on what the situation depending is. Depending on the quality of the game. Yeah. Um, but I think that the other thing is we'll see these non-conference games done on shorter notice to make sure that they're creating, you know, you don't want to catch a team. Oh, this team, it sounded like a good idea, but the team's down, you know. Try to do them on shorter notice so that you get better games to draw more viewers. Well, it depends on what the playoff is, though, uh, because uh, if the playoff is a guaranteed allotment to whoever wins your conference, then the non-conference wouldn't matter as much. So that that goes but into you, it. You, you'll want to claim some of those six at large berths, too. But right, you're right but that how that it. plays out. So you can have one or two, maybe even three losses, depending you know who the losses mm-hmm. are, too, if they're big-name losses that are barely a point or two. I don't know that, especially on the road. I don't know if you go in Ohio State and you lose. Oregon goes in there on the 11th of September, I think, and if they lose, you know, 32-30, should they really be penalized that much if it came down? In my mm-hmm. mind, no. If they went eight and one in the conference, and the funny thing is that they've been screaming for other teams and conferences to go nine, and the SEC now might go nine, and you're talking about going eight. And I also think, but I that, think the bigger point would be: Are you going to play ten Power Five games? Well, because part of too, the yeah. SEC playing eight is that they're only playing eight or nine power five games. I mean, they don't have to, but going They nine, haven't. You're right. Uh, and I think Klaukoff isn't going to come in here to keep the status quo. So I think if it was eight, they would go to nine. And now that it's nine, <laughs> nine. they're going go to eight. go to eight. Yeah, because you got to make great decisions. And he, you know, everything he's been doing has just been so brilliant. I mean, what, honeymoon. What are we talking about here? We're no. talking about the honeymoon. Phase. And it was going to be off of Larry Scott's disastrous right. rain. He had his honeymoon, and then it was just uh, one thing after another. Yeah. So, 
I believe they're going to make that change because they're over. Like you know, you, you need a disciplinarian as a coach. Well, that didn't work. You need somebody who's a player's coach. So they bounce back and forth. Jed Fish is just Mr. Media Savvy and so friendly, and Kevin Sumlin had no time for it. So uh, one didn't work, so you go the other direction. I think they make these changes that way. But other than that, I, I don't know that that alliance had anything to do with it, though. I mean, I actually think the Alliance of American Football was a better alliance. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that, yuck. I'm going to get those chickens roosting. <laughs> That's what a chicken sounds like. Now I'm tempted to make... No, I'm not going to do it. Probably. So, I, this alliance there, I listened to the whole thing. Jeez. We're, I think they're not... I, I think something. they're not saying the important part out loud. They think the SEC is going to form a 32 or 36 team mini NFL. They're going to be the only top flight of football and everybody else is going to be left hanging. They picked off Oklahoma and Texas and I think the other leagues think, man, they're going to pick off Ohio State and Michigan. They're going to pick off Penn State. And this alliance has nothing to do with that to prevent that. And it may not. I agree. But it's all that they've been able to come up with. And their thought is, (laughs) Ohio State and Michigan and USC and Oregon don't really want to walk away from this, from what they've got. they got a good thing going. But if they feel like they have to, they will. Right. Oklahoma so and Texas hesitated for 15 or 20 years, but then they did it. They're going to agree on this alliance now because it's non-binding. Yep. So it means nothing. That's true. The SEC, I believe, and let's see if you believe this, do you think somewhere, if you could search the whole SEC office and the entire ESPN offices, do you think you'd find on a piece of paper a list of four divisions of eight or nine teams and a 32 or 36 team SEC? Because I think the answer to that is yes. I think they've already done it on the back of the napkin and all that stuff. Now, they haven't, they haven't their, done it their yet. Their conference is on a napkin? They've got a, a future 32 That's or 36. That's a great 36, bio title. <laughs> their future 32. I, I see what you did there. I <laughs> was a little slow, but I just got that. That was my life on a napkin. I don't think that it's the SEC. I think it's college football. No, I think it's the SEC. I think it's the SEC and ESPN have this conversation. Right, SEC but SEC will be college football. But it won't be called the SEC. It'll be college football. A la the NFL. Yes, absolutely. But they're, I don't think they're looking to be exclusive without being inclusive. They'll bring in how many teams? Because let's they're talk about bring what matters in Rutgers in Maryland to get the New York market and how the many, DC market. How many teams in this thirty-two or thirty-six would they bring in from the Pac-12? Because if they bring in eight or nine, you fans feel a lot more confident. If they bring in four or six, oh, I mean, what does it look like? And right now, I think these forty-one teams in the alliance have a lot of de- a lot of them. Obviously not some of them. <laughs> the USC knows it's fine. Ohio State and Michigan know they're fine. Notre, Notre Dame, Dame will be fine. Yeah. Penn State will be okay in all of this. But I think if you're, even if you're Clemson, you're like, well, yeah, we're the big dog now with Dabo, and if he leaves, maybe we're out. You know? Well, yeah, but you can say that about anybody. But, except Penn State and Ohio State and Michigan, Notre Dame and USC. Uh, I, see, I think they're going to look to how they want to team. Uh, I think Utah is positioned great because they're going to want a team in a mountain time zone. What better team do we have in the mountain time zone? Hopefully, hopefully that's Nobody. true. But it the, is true. The NFL is doing fine with one team in the mountain time zone in Denver. And maybe that would drive yeah, the college team to Salt Lake. Don't compare the NFL to anything. Get out of town. Well, no, the reason, get up the and reason, get out now. The reason to compare is because you would w- hopefully 
for fans here, they would take the whole country. But lots of parts of the country are going to get left out. And lots of teams are going to get left out. And that's freaking out a lot of the teams in the league, and I think that's what's driving this. And this may not stop it at all. to do anything to prevent it. It it may not. But if they make more money, will they stay put? Oklahoma and Texas stayed put for 20 years because they were making more money. But eventually the money got too big. And it's the same set of decisions here that these schools are going to have to make. And the money may get too big, and this may all mean nothing. I totally agree with you on that. Or they can try to build something, build up the money, and maybe this doesn't come to pass. Oh, so we'll have an AFC-NFC. Yeah, a little bit, actually. The SEC and everybody else. Yeah. But if everybody else is making enough money, maybe they stay together. That remains to be but seen. But what happened yesterday has no bearing on that because we won't know until there, we get th- to the moment. That's true. And they're not talking about the important part out loud. We're trying to well, keep CBS and Fox in the loop and all their money in the loop. Of course. And we're going to make sure that when we expand to 12, instead of doing what the SEC was doing, which is like, well, we'll just re-up with ESPN. No, 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 no. Yeah. We're going to make sure that three or four of these uh, playoff games go to CBS and three right, or four they, of these games go to Fox. Well, it's like the NFL does. The NFL has their NFL pro- playoff right. games across the board. Yes, What exactly. isn't an NFL playoff game? Who doesn't have an NFL playoff game? Exactly. But the SEC wasn't the going to do that. Network, the Pac-12 Network, they don't SC, have anything. But the SEC, as part of this yeah, I got committee it. they were doing, was going to just re-up and give it all to ESPN. I and understand that. that is the part that nobody wants to say out loud no, that's really it's driving this. I think it's this. been saying out loud. I think it's By great. other people, but the commissioners aren't going to get up there and say it out loud. When you listen to that call, it doesn't... Because well, they, don't, they don't even mention SEC. Mm-hmm. So right. they can't. Right. I agree. But that's what's really driving this. But it's also nothing that is going to be cemented for another three or four years. It's still right. And I think Klyavkov told us the truth without telling us the whole thing when he said, I think it's going to be fine in three to four years, but 15 to 20, who knows? Because Oklahoma and Texas thought about it for 15 to 20, thought about jumping to the Pac-12, thought about the SEC, finally jumped to the SEC. And Klyavkov isn't going to sit here and guarantee you that in 15 or 20 years, USC and Oregon... Penn State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, and Michigan won't be ready to jump. And then the question is, who can tag along with those guys? All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coming up next, we'll talk all about this with Matt Brown, Extra Points newsletter and podcast covering college football nationally. More with him next. And I think scheduling is going to, that's something that's going to be impacted in the short run here and how it will impact BYU. We'll get to that coming up. DJ, PK, and Matt Brown joining us now, covering college football nationally for Extra Points Newsletter and Podcast. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. So secret that Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Matt, I'm irritated, and I suspect you are too. The college football season is almost here in Oklahoma, Texas, the SEC, and now this alliance thing. We needed this weeks and months ago. We didn't need this now. What are they doing? What about us? What about our needs? <laughs> They're completely screwing up my publishing schedule, right? I want this in July. That's extra point season, right? Like Because I'm the you. guy that wants to really get in the weeds with that kind of stuff. It's, 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 it was completely insensitive. And, and honestly, like, I'm even more angry because I sat through that entire Alliance press conference, which absolutely <laughs> should have been an, e- uh, an email. It, should have been, it was a meeting <laughs> well, they did do an that, email. that went way too long yeah. and wasted everyone's time. They didn't talk about 
they didn't say out loud the part that seems pretty obvious. The SEC's gone to 16, and it suddenly occurred to every league, wait a minute, they might do to us what they did to the Big 12. They're, giving, they're doing ESPN's bidding. ESPN's, here, take some money. We'll pay you well. Let's get a monopoly on the top tier of college football. And so these 41 teams with a handshake deal, they're not held together by a document. They're held together by fear. Most of them fear that they could be on the outside looking in. It was fine when they did it to the Mountain West and the Big East, but they don't want it done to them. And so they're creating this alliance and more TV product and trying to generate enough money that the Penn State, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, and Oregon, don't, Florida State, don't take off for the SEC. And they'll take a few friends with them, but they're not sure which ones, and it's scaring the you-know-what out of all of them. But nobody wants to call out ESPN and the SEC and admit they're in a position of weakness dealing from fear. So they end up saying nothing because they can't say what's really important. That's bad PR. Nobody would do that. Your thoughts? I mean, yeah, it's also bad PR to do a press conference where you don't say anything <laughs> and send out this big press release to every reporter saying that this is actually about academics. Like, I don't think the big concern is so much that the SEC is going to poach USC and Ohio State um, and, and create their own little 2018 league and, and sail off. Like, that—that that is a something that is popular uh, maybe among a couple of athletic directors and a lot of SEC mouthpieces, but it's not really practical. The, the bigger concern here is, hey, we expand the playoffs in, say, two years, which is, uh, you know, the, and the working group that created that proposal did not include any input from the Pac-12, from the Big Ten, or the ACC. We expand that, and we let ESPN have complete monopoly control over this thing for the next decade. And, we, and I think the Pac-12 and the Big Ten realize there's a pretty good chance when they do their next television deals that ESPN's not going to be a major partner. ESPN might not end up picking up any Pac-12 rights at all. Uh, for the for the, this next television deal, do you want then the, the or the entity that controls all of the bowls and controls uh, you know, essentially controls the playoff to then have a deep seated commercial interest in two and a half leagues and then put on their personalities trashing your league ahead of the selection show every single week? No, like and and I think that that's kind of happened already. The only way to really fight back against that is to take the college football playoff to market, which honestly might not actually generate that much more money, but it's about control. It's about empowering Fox. It's about CBS, NBC, maybe somebody else getting into the bidding here, which is what most professional leagues do to kind of diffuse that power. Cause we're looking at a world here where the NCAA is as weak as it's been since the 1940s. And the entity that really controls college football or to the extent that anything does is ESPN. And uh, if you're not already working with ESPN or tied in with that league, you're probably not comfortable with that arrangement. Um, and that's certainly the case for the Pac-12 and the Big Ten right now. Is it best for college football, though, to spread it out in the way that the NFL does because you look at the playoff formats and virtually all of these networks have multiple games? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's probably better for the consumer, uh, especially if you don't really like some of the production or the, the fanfare that, that comes in with the college football playoff. I, I imagine it's frustrating if you're a fan of a, of a Mountain West or a Sunbelt team and you're watching a Thursday night ESPN game and they're all they're doing is talking about Clemson in the playoff because they have to pump up that product. Um, it, it might be better for the, you know, the broadcast experience if that's spread out amongst, amongst other, uh, other, other companies. I don't necessarily know if it's going to make more money um, because by 2026, when this uh, comes up for market again, 
it's possible that more money will be leaving the conventional linear to broadcast television marketplace and going to things like YouTube or Amazon. Um, and it, maybe it won't command quite the, the same rights fee that it might if ESPN buys the whole thing out in 2023. Um, you know, my livelihood doesn't, doesn't depend on that. But I think if you're a West Coast football fan, that's probably the outcome that you want. So then does CBS, with no SEC in a few years, are they going to end up televising uh, a Big Ten, Pac-12 doubleheader or maybe even two Big Ten games and one Pac-12 and do a tripleheader the way Fox does? And will Fox be doing the same thing with two Big Ten games and, and one Pac-12 game and you know FS1 picking up the rest of the Pac-12? Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's entirely possible. You know, Both of those networks have professional sports commitments that can sometimes make going all in on college football challenging. I think anybody whose favorite team is, uh, you know, is, is mostly broadcast on Fox and knows what it's like when, you're, when your broadcast gets preempted for Major League Baseball <laughs> or, or, or for something else later in the fall when you end up on BTN or, or some other overflow network. But I, I, from what I've been hearing over the last several weeks, I don't believe that CBS is out of the big-time college football game, even though they've lost the SEC. I know they've been kicking the tires on some low and mid majors, uh, you know the, the ESPN controls almost all of those right now. CBS Sports Network would like to have some of those, like they have here with the Mountain West. Uh, and I would expect, as whatever's left of the Big 12, the Big 10, the Pac 12 hits the marketplace in a couple of years. I don't know if they'll win any of those bids, but I definitely expect them to be active. You think in the short term? Is there, uh, for the alliance maybe some bigger games out of it? Can we get anything out of it? No, probably not. I, and and the, at least at least on the football side. And that's just because you know Kevin Warren and George Klyakov said like during this press conference, we're not here to um to tear up any existing contracts. And the, all you have to do, guys, is pull up SP schedules, and you can see that most of the big Big Ten, Pac-12, and ACC teams are scheduled out through 2028, if not the early 2030s. There's, there's not really room. You might have a couple of athletic directors that are going to try to move things around, and you might get one, you know, maybe one game that's not previously scheduled with the Alliance on the next couple of seasons. Where it's way more likely to happen is with all the other sports that aren't scheduled like a jillion years in the future. So if you're a Utah lacrosse fan um, and you want to get more Big Ten or ACC games on your schedule before you're, what do you, I think you're in like the A Sun now. Great, I think that's possible. Um, there's already a Big Ten ACC challenge in, in men's and women's basketball. Could the Pac-12 get involved in some of that some more in the immediate future? Yeah, I, I think I think that that's that's probable. So if you're a fan of Utah basketball and you want to see Michigan State, like I, I think I think that's that's something that could happen. But on the football side, by the time there's enough scheduling room for all this to happen, man, we might all be dead. There might there might be a media. <laughs> College football could look totally different. Like. I, 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 I don't have the room in my heart to care about a scheduling arrangement in 2034. Same here. See, I think that in the next, like, I'm looking at USC's future schedule right now, and USC's got one game in 24, one in 25, but they are wide open in 2027. So the new TV deal isn't kicking in until 2025. So they just kind of bide their time. But from 2025 on, they've only got five games scheduled, and two of them are Notre, or six games scheduled, and two of them are Notre Dame games. So I, I think that that, and I also wonder if the pack, if all these leagues aren't going to eight eight conference games and then two alliance games, so they'll still have ten power fives, plenty good enough to get you into a a playoff if you're a good team. Sure, I mean you know during during the presser, you know the Pac-12 said like, look, 
through our TV deal right now, we have a contractual agreement to remain at nine mm-hmm. conference games. So if we want to switch to eight, you know, maybe we could try to negotiate that with ESPN and Fox if we're replacing that with like a big time you know, game. But but that's going to be a challenge, especially on short notice and especially because they're, they're really trying to negotiate a big rights fee increase. Um, depending on how you count that Notre Dame game, you know, that that's possible. But if, if you're USC and USC has already been complaining about how the Pac-12 schedule has done them no favors and how they have to play you know, Notre Dame all the time. Um, if they're going to pick up another Alliance game, if you're going to count Notre Dame as that ACC game, do you want that team to be Ohio State or do you want that team to be Indiana? Uh, I, I, can, I can definitely see the argument for not wanting to super aggressively schedule, especially if the 12-team playoffs not happening for a few more years. If it's a four-team schedule, there's a four-team playoff, there's not really a big incentive for USC yeah. to go more aggressive scheduling than they already are right now. So what do you think the SEC was doing during this press conference that said literally nothing? They were laughing. I've I've, I've even reached out to some athletic directors. They're like, what are we doing here? Um, They, I, I, I don't think they're taking it personally. I think they understand that this is the 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 binding principle of this entire organ entity here is not SEC. But the, the fact that they're not able to really articulate any kind of meaningful vision beyond we're not the SEC you know, is not going to threaten anybody here, right? Like, if they come back and say, we've got a scheduling agreement, it's going to kick in 2027, we are going to push for these seven things in the NCAA Constitutional Convention, we want to do X, Y, or Z, okay, then maybe you can respond to that. But platitudes is something that Big Ted's been really good at, you know, talking about since the 30s. Um, action has been a different thing. I think the SEC probably, they, they can just shrug anything off because they're the SEC and they're dealing from a position of strength. I think if there was anyone upset with what they were hearing in the alliance, it was ESPN because they know that these three are going to angle to keep CBS and Fox in play for the postseason because that will keep them in play for the regular season as well. Sure. And, you know, but, but hey, you know who owns the rights for the ACC's full, you know, all of their media now in the ESPN. Well 2030s? Yeah. Is the is ESPN, which also makes you think. I don't know how stable this whole alliance is, right? Nothing was. There's no contract, right? Nothing's nothing's written down, and ESPN can put the squeeze on the ACC because the ACC is desperate to get out of that deal. It's a not it's not a good television deal. They're going to be passed in annual revenue by Utah, by Oregon State, and by Colorado um, in, in about five or six years because they have no chance to improve that those rights. If ESPN comes in there and says, "Listen, you drop your opposition here, taking this to market." We'll redo your deal and give everybody nine million dollars a year more. You're going to be able to peel off a couple of those schools, right? Yeah, and so do you see that? That's that's a what level of legitimacy is that possibility? Yeah, I, I, I think I think that is that is entirely possible. You know, there's there's a reason the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have been working together administratively for you know, since the thirties, right. Since the, since the, the Pacific coast conference became kind of a thing, those schools have a lot in common. That's really not that true with the ACC. Despite all the, the protests otherwise here, they have different uh, commercial interests. They have different philosophical interests. Like you can't get up here in the microphone and say, we are all committed to broad based athletic programming. When Clemson literally was sued this year for trying to drop their men's track team and when they're sponsoring the NCAA minimum, like they are explicitly running their athletic department like an SEC team. Uh, and that's true for Syracuse. That's true for Louisville on, on, on some levels. It's, it's not the same thing. 
And so if ESPN wants to apply some leverage or if some push comes back from other places, I don't know if you can keep a crew of 41 schools altogether. So then uh, this has always been on the back burner, but it goes to the front burner. If the ACC and the Big Ten really aren't aligned and you make good points, then the tug-of-war over Notre Dame should accelerate because neither one can afford to lose that. And maybe Notre Dame does stay independent forever. But, man, if I were the Big Ten, I'd be a little worried that they got one foot in the ACC. Oh, sure. I mean, they, they have more than one foot. And it's not like Notre Dame can really easily join the Big Ten at this point because Notre Dame has a contractual obligation to join the ACC well into the 2030s if they join any league. And, and that, that is a concern. It, it's in the Big Ten's interest for Notre Dame football to remain independent than it is for them to join any league and potentially you know, upset the balance of power for revenue-wise. Um, and that's something to keop in mind for college football playoff deliberations, right? If, if there's a way for Notre Dame to win 10 games and get like a six seed and, and remain independent, they're going to do that until the earth stops spinning. <laughs> It's not about money. That is about institutional identity. There are enough old school uh, Irish boosters who would throw a temper tantrum because like, people forget this. Notre Dame almost joined the Big Ten in the 90s. Um, like their, their academic wing voted to do it. And it was, they had a riot among their boosters and fans. And they'll do that again unless they have absolutely no choice. And it's in everyone else's best interest, other than the ACC, to let them have that choice. Do you think going forward down the line in a number of years, schools like Utah are in a vulnerable position? Um, a, a little bit. I mean, I mean, There's this popular idea here every offseason, like the Power Five is going to split, right? They're, they're going to have their own 64-team super conference or whatever, and they want to do everything their own way. Well, you know, up, up until a month or two ago, I would have said that that's really not likely. That's not something schools want. They want to be a part of the NCAA. They want to be a part of the men's basketball tournament. But if we're going to kind of go down this accelerationist timeline, the magic number is not 64. The magic number is a lot smaller than that. And there will eventually come a point, if we head down this timeline, when schools like USC and Ohio State and Clemson will sit down and really think, do I need Wake Forest? Do I, do I need Vanderbilt? Do I need Purdue? Do I really need those? And then, you know, that, that could potentially put a, a school like Utah in a, in a more challenging position. And they, I think they've done everything that you could possibly expect them to do. They've been one of the most athletically, consistently successful teams in multiple sports in the, in the Pac-12 since they came in here. You have a growing market. You have maybe one of the only real college football cities, I think, within the Pac-12 footprint. Like, San Francisco is not a college football town. It's not like is the, the, that, that place cares about it, and it's growing. But there's no guarantees. So much about what makes you a dynamite brand isn't what you did last year. It's what you did 100 years ago. <laughs> and, and so Utah and, and plenty of the other you know, kind of newer money programs in college athletics are going to be at a more disadvantaged place. It's always going to be better to be Ohio State than it, or UCLA, for that matter, who's not as good at sports uh, than it is Utah or Colorado. That brings us right back to where we started that what's driving this is fear because there are a lot of schools like Utah. I mean, just taking the Pac-12, if you were slimming down to 40 teams instead of 64, 68, whatever, if you're slimming yeah. down to 40 teams or to 36 or to 32, well, in the Pac-12, USC, Oregon, and Washington are golden locks, nothing to worry about. Washington State, Oregon State, and Arizona, I don't really see a path. I, I, no way. I think you're done. Now, the other six schools – Somewhere between, you know, maybe two or four of you are going to be okay. Well, with three, it'd probably be three or five of you would be okay. 
but somebody could easily get squeezed out, and you just don't know who that's going to be. All you can do is focus on what's in your control right now, and and you you do that by uh, building up your financial infrastructure. It, it's, it really is more than just who's good at sports, right? Um, obviously, that helps. I mean, the, the last decade has been absolutely atrocious for Cal, and, and, and are going to put them in a, a weaker position if, if there's more realignment, I think, or, or more fissures in, in college sports. But it's not just that. It's also what can you do to, what can you do to make yourself more financially independent? What, what can you do to grow your fan base beyond your immediate geographic market? How can you monetize that and build a connection for that beyond just tickets for an event? Um, I think Utah's done just about everything it possibly can do. And you just have to, you, you already, you know, the rare team that played yourself into a bigger league. Um, I don't think they're in danger of being banished back to the Mountain West tomorrow or anything. Uh, but th- that's, that's, all, that's all you can focus on. And it, I think if you're a student of college football history and you look at the history of college football in the West, that's always been a problem on the back burner. It's why the Pacific Coast Conference blew up. It's why Arizona State and Arizona are in this league. It's why the Airplane Conference almost happened. The big schools in Los Angeles have always been threatening to bolt, and they've always had one eye out the door because they don't want to be with Washington State or Oregon State anymore, and there's always a possibility that that could happen. Last thing before we let you go, uh, do you buy the Pac-12 going to 14 teams? Do you think K-State and Oklahoma State would happen? And if so, is the Big Ten adding Kansas and somebody, maybe West Virginia, maybe somebody else? No, 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 no. This is the kind of thing where if there was any juice to this, I would have heard about it, right? Like, I write about this all the time on Extra Points. Institutional fit matters much more in conference realignment than a lot of sports writers give it credit for. And that means something different for different leagues, Right. The West Coast Conference institutional fit means you're a religious private school. In the, in the Pac-12, that means generally you are a state-sponsored large research institution that's good at multiple sports. That's not Kansas State. That's not Texas Tech. That's not Oklahoma State. And none of them are good enough at sports to, to overcome that by themselves. None of them are going to substantially increase the revenue pie. If you bring in Kansas State, you're going to be losing money. Because there's there that that's that's the epitome of a non-national brand. That's a Mountain West school um, that that made the right friends back in the 1930s. Um, there's 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 no chance. Um, and, and we're we're going to hear about that on Friday. They were basically saying that in the presser, like you know, this union achieves many of the goals that we would have had here with expansion. Um, there's really not a good option for the Pac-12 to add another team that will appease all of those presidents, whether that's in the Big 12 leftovers whether that's in the Mountain West, whether that's an independent, whether that's a team in China, like that, that team just doesn't exist right now. Matt, we appreciate the time and all the opinions. I bet we will be calling you to ask you to come on this show again because we have not heard the last of any of this. I, 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 I think you're probably right. Friends, this is the kind of thing that interests you. You can find me at Matt Brown EP on Twitter. You can find Extra Points, which is a newsletter that covers all of this stuff with original reporting at extrapointsmb.com Thank you, Matt. Yep, no problem. Take it easy, fellas. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, getting you up to speed on everything we've been talking about all morning long, and we'll do it next. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson.
television voice of the Utah Jazz, our good friend Craig Bullerjack. As you examine what the Jazz are now, what is your perception of what the weakness might be for this club? Weakness, probably a young type of shutdown defender. Nothing against Royce, but he's been put in some difficult situations still defending some of the best players in the NBA, and he's done a yeoman's job. But maybe does Jared Butler have that in him a little bigger? Does Pascal have that? I'm not sure. Haven't seen enough of him in this system, mind you. And how much does Rudy Gay have left? You know, again, not sure. We're going to find out together. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O Tires, the team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. The John Watson Chevrolet High School Player of the Week is presented to the top high school football player in northern Utah. And, Yach, this week's winner is... Chino Furness from Ogden High School. The Tigers. Stop by John Watson Chevrolet at 3535 Wall Avenue in Ogden or check them out online at johnwatsonchevrolet.com. You know, DJ, when they finally put you out to pasture and they give me a new partner, mm-hmm. I'm going to miss you. Yeah. Holden. I'm going to miss you. Miss you. Charlie, he was 80. It was a good ride. Uh, being in the stone since 1963 is a good, an unbelievable situation, really, when you think about it. I don't know that he would have thought that uh, when he was just... No, when he says, I'll join this band, he yeah. couldn't know what was coming. Yeah. He could not know what was coming. That's what makes life so exciting. Many of us don't know. Some of us can imagine it. I, I imagine if you have a family business and... You probably know you're going to grow up and be in the car business, uh, like the Murdochs or whomever. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I've got a guy down the street, uh, runs an auto business, and uh, all of his family, all his brothers. The, the tire business? Uh, no. It's, That's not who you're thinking. But no. you do know people. Oh, you're talking about the Burt yeah, brothers. Yeah, you people yeah, know yeah. the Burt brothers family. No. Or, yeah. yeah, and actually they were they lived right next door to each other. Oh, really? <laughs> they were in sort of competitors Jake Bird has since moved he doesn't live there anymore but yeah you're right and I forgot about that one the Burt brothers yeah and now it's the Burt sons obviously so you probably had an idea you're going to go into that business but for a lot of us I really uh I just rejected the janitorial business and thought uh, it's not something that I want to be doing you had a first second third fourth and fifth options and we're willing to consider a sixth seventh eighth ninth and tenth options yeah yes Nothing against that. And I did do that because I helped my parents out. Which is what made you think, yeah, yeah. Nah, this was enough of this. My father did it during the day and then came home, had lunch and then or dinner, and then went and did it in the evening. And uh, the evening was their only, like, their own little thing. Yeah, because everybody's gone. And they were the only ones in the building. But, but uh, we, I know, but I mean that it was their own little business. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Self-employed. Uh, the evening janitor. Entrepreneur. The day was the city of Glendale. Uh-huh. The evening... Get some health benefits in there, maybe? Nope. Did I? No, did they? Working full-time for a city, I wonder if they Oh, yeah, benefits. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Get some benefits. Right, I gotcha, I gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, so they did their own little thing at night. They had a, a string of uh, bank buildings, not actual banks where you go in and make a deposit, but like where all the computers the corporate and everything. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And so they would do that in the evening, and I did that portion of it many times over. Thought, yeah, this isn't going to work for me. But uh, that's what makes life exciting, though, for a lot of folks. I mean, who, who you would never thought you live in Salt Lake City. Uh, certainly, I never did, and we'd be doing this all this time. 
I mean, gosh, I mean, I, you didn't accept me as a full-fledged member. I feel like Utah going in the Pac-12. First it was 25%, only they jumped up. Then after like five years, it was 26%. And then after 10 years, I think you let me get to 50%. And then at that point, at 15, you thought, okay, this has got a shot. You are talking out the side <laughs> of your neck right now. I always thought I had a shot. Yeah, and in five years. Any horse who answers the Kentucky Derby has a shot. At five But years. nobody was beating Secretariat. At five years. <laughs> oh, secretariat. Jim Rome's Secretariat. We don't even consider that. <laughs> yeah, but at the time, you we thought got to you fill were in for secretary. secretary twice. You thought no, you were Secretariat. I had a, I had a pretty oh, good grasp. Oh, come on. You thought you were the sports radio. At five years, Grand I told Puba. you, have your phone. Answer it. At five years. Was it five? Well, it was less than five. Seemed like twenty-five probably, at that point. Probably four years and seemed uh, like it was so long. Nine or it. ten months would be my guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll bring along this bum. He he supports me. Yeah, whatever. Keep beating yourself up. That's what you do. <laughs> All right, let's get the people up to speed on the stuff we have been talking about this morning. BYU is going to name a starting quarterback. Do you have any idea who it might be? I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's Jaron Hall. Okay. <gasps> <laughs> Thursday, you're going to put out a two deep. Do you have any idea what it might say? It's not going to be Cardi B. It's going to be Charlie B. Whap. Right. <laughs> Texas Tech announced Oregon transfer Tyler Shuck will be the Red Raiders starting quarterback. Because if he throws a pass that's picked off, <laughs> Matt Wells is going to say, well, He's going to say two things. He's going to say, Oh, Shuck. And then he's going to say something that rhymes with Shuck. Mm. <laughs> Bad luck. That's what I thought. Now, he started. Did he start every game last year for Oregon? Because I think they, did they play six or seven. I can't remember. I want to say they played seven, went four and three. You know that I love to memorize this stuff. Uh, and I can tell you right now, I will never have last year down pat. I know. I mean, I know the Utes are three and two, but everybody else. I have else. to think about that, though. I, three and two, I can remember. That I can do. They lost two. They won three. They had a winning record. They didn't go to a bowl. Um, but every everybody else is a bit of work. I know Washington won the division and didn't play in the conference title game because that's weird. First time ever. Easy to remember. <laughs> it's so bizarre. And, and I know Oregon beat USC, but I think Oregon had two losses. I thought they went four and three. Maybe they didn't. Oh, they had two going to conference title game. See, that's what I can't remember. You're probably right because they lost their bowl game. And then uh, he had he took off, and that's where this Brown has come in, but. Thompson, another kid, and Chuck is out of Phoenix. Thompson, Ty Thompson, highly rated quarterback out of Phoenix. The, the, the U of A and ASU had no chance. And he's up there in Eugene competing for the starting job. I believe Brown is going to get it, but Thompson's day is going to come. It may come sooner uh, than anticipated. I'm not sure about that. But uh, Chuck goes down to Texas Tech, opens up the job, and then... Matt Wells obviously gives him the starting job. We'll see what he does. Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov said the conference will announce in the next few days if they intend to explore expansion and the addition of new universities to the conference. Who did you read that said it was, uh, or hear, that said it was done, that it was K-State? I thought it was Dave Wanstead. I'd have to okay. double-check that because Dave Wanstead works for Fox. He was yes. on 670 of the score out there And he thinks K-State and yeah. Oklahoma State are coming in. And then we just had Matt Brown on who was like, no. Correct. And then he also had Kansas and somebody else going to the Big Kansas and Iowa State. That's who it was. You're right. Iowa State. Then it was West Virginia to the ACC. Which, obviously, West Virginia is sitting over there 
the, they're like Hawaii relative to geography and everybody else. Seems like they're so f- out of place in the Big Twelve and the ACC. So that leaves which is being Baylor, guaranteed. TCU, and Texas Tech scrambling, sc- looking for a home. America Athletic makes sense. Okay, yeah, I would agree with that. Bigger, um, they could redo their TV deal, and it would be a bigger presence in Texas, which would excite the entire league that wants to go recruit there. That's not a bad conference by any stretch. Adding those teams, I agree. Yeah, but politics and tradition keep them at a lower level. But it's not a bad league. Well, Baylor's had its day. Baylor's had its day. absolutely. Memphis and Cincinnati have had good teams. UCF has obviously had a good run. Cincinnati's like top 10 right now. I know. South Florida has had a couple of good teams. Fickle's probably waiting for Harbaugh to take off. That'd be a good gig. High expectations, uh, but nevertheless. Because, I mean, he's done a phenomenal job at Cincinnati. Right. There's no question about that. Uh, So, yeah, that's what Wanstead was saying during, and I think it was based on uh, meetings with Fox. He was they because he obviously he works for them. It was Fox, like essentially like broadcast meetings for the upcoming season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he went out. I don't know if it's at the cat out of the bag or you talk about speaking out the side of your neck, as you said to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, uh, but the idea of OK State and K State coming over. I'm surprised Matt Brown just thoroughly dismissed that. But then Klyovkov said he would let you know by the end of the week. So we'll know shortly. We're already midweek, I believe. Today's hump day. Today is Wednesday. So, yes. A couple days, this could all be resolved. Klyovkov could say, yes, we're studying it. Yes, these are the teams. Or we looked at it thoroughly and decided not to do it. But thanks for coming, everybody. I wouldn't do it. You wouldn't expand? You wouldn't Not right teams? now. No. Those teams will always be there. That's a true story. Not going so anywhere. what's the hurry? Yeah. They're not getting invited to the SEC, and they're not getting invited to the Big Ten. So. Right. So they'll always say yes. So for BYU, uh, I really think out of the alliance, everything that's coming that makes sense is in the next TV deal, which is 2025, you're playing eight conference games in the Big Ten and in the Pac-12 and in the ACC, which they're already at eight. And you're playing two games inside the Alliance. You're playing 10 Power 5 games. That will impress the selection committee, whatever the playoff looks like. You'll have plenty of competition. But it would also make it hard for BYU to schedule. So what you advocated a long time ago, a scheduling arrangement with the Big 12 the way Notre Dame has one with the ACC. But who's the Big 12? Well, that's the thing is, is there a Big 12 left to have one with? But I think that makes a lot of sense for BYU if a Big 12 remains. I don't necessarily think they need that from the Big 12 because I don't know what the Big 12 is. But I would think that BYU would still be okay, and maybe it's me wanting them to be okay, because in particularly in the West, which is obviously the Mountain West slash Pac-12, they bring butts in the seats. And you can argue whether they're passionate or just church allegiance, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't the matter. Money, they bought the ticket. Money. Yeah, right. And so they're going to show up. So if you're looking to make a little extra cash, bring in the Cougars. And then if you sign a deal with the Cougars and they still have the ESPN deal, you know you're getting good television exposure on the other end of the deal. You're probably getting it on both. Yes. They're a brand. 
They are a brand, and I think their brand has been, for, to a degree, resurrected. And for all of this turmoil with the alliance and everything, some things remain constant. And one is there's four TV windows, and there's a very limited number of brands who can play in that fourth window. And they can. Yeah. I mean, so they have value. I think Zach Wilson's going to elevate the brand. Uh, because you're going to be talking about the BYU kid, the BYU mm-hmm. kid, the BYU kid. We haven't talked about a BYU quarterback since when, uh, but now we are. And he's in the biggest media market in the world, or in the country anyway. And so uh, that's going to elevate it even more. Their name's going to be out there more. Uh, that's going to help. I don't know about the conference affiliation, this LGBTQT thing. Hopefully I got that right. I always have to think about that. I didn't roll off the tongue. Um, this week... The talk by the church leader, that resurrected that again. I kind of wonder why they don't just leave that alone, but nevertheless. They don't want to. It, obviously, they, they don't. simply don't want to. Because it's yeah. every other whatever, fill in the blank yeah. interval, that seems like it's being an issue. Okay, we got it. You believe what you believe over here, and that's not changing. And other people over here, it's morphed into what? More acceptability? I don't know how you would phrase it and whatever. I'm not trying to wade into stuff that I don't know anything about. You believe what you believe. They believe what they believe. Yeah. And there is a disconnect between the two. And it doesn't seem like, from my perspective, it's going to change. So we got it already. I got it. I know what your stance is. I got it. So be it. That's your stance. So for the foreseeable future. let it go. So for the foreseeable future, (laughs) BYU is in the West Coast Conference, and football is an independent, and... Whatever the remaining eight turn into, whatever that morphs into, BYU should look at scheduling them. If if it if it's Baylor, TCU, and Texas Tech going into the AAC, they're going to be looking for as many high profile games as possible. Okay, yes, I agree with you, but so, if I'm BYU, I still try to get the Pac-12 first because I think your fans want that. I think your fans this year are jacked about the schedule with five Pac-12s, two. Right. Mountain West. But they've got four Pac-12 Bronco games in the Mendenhall. next three years. I know. I ain't got that. And so these schools that are playing 10, um, if it, if the disc goes as kind of this 8-plus-2 model, is BYU going to be too good to be your 11th game? Well, no, I don't think so. No, I don't, th- I don't think so. Uh, I, I think what's important for uh, the— Arizona won't want any part of them. Arizona's taking them as their— Tenth game, but are they going to be Arizona's eleventh game? Arizona's always wanted to schedule down. Well, that was under Rich Rod. Who knows yeah. going forward? I mean, I think they'll be able to play Utah going forward. So there's that. Um, USC, Stanford, that could still work. Uh, I think but what's I don't know important is they need to make sure that Notre Dame has that deal with Stanford and SC. So then it becomes a thirteen teamer, as you called yep. out ahead of Larry Scott way back when. And so they have an odd number and they need the Cougars to fill the gap. Yep. That would always play to their advantage. And those teams also uh just Stanford's playing five or playing twelve power five teams this year. That's so what they do. I know. So what do they care about? When I just said, well, who wants them for 11th? Well, Stanford. You know, USC doesn't doesn't play the big well, sky money Same with the Bruins. Game. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Your feedback's coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Why are the majority of PK's stories all related to a urinal? Ex-girlfriends, 
Dick Enberg, Pac-12 authorities, other celebrities. I know a school down in Tucson, Arizona, who wants to take us for a ride. But the Cougars are going to do a smackdown in the little Vegas town. How you was, did that. that. That was Mick Jagger. You did that. <laughs> <laughs> that segment you were singing earlier this morning, you did that. I'm responsible. You triggered him. Was it like January 6th? <laughs> yes. <laughs> time for your feedback now. Brought to you by Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. Quit spending time sorting pills. Call Ochre Mountain Pharmacy today and have them sort and deliver your custom prescription blister packs free of charge. Call them at 801-252-1000. That's Ochre Mountain Pharmacy. What's the point of this Big Ten, ACC, Pac-12 Alliance. Salt Lake Jake says they got together and asked, how can we screw BYU? Yeah. And I've never had any bathroom stories with ex-girlfriends. Oh, I guess I did. Yeah, I take that back. <laughs> See? I came from the bathroom. See? And the 25-year-old, you're my ex-boyfriend. But that was ex-boyfriend. That was her, not me. I was not in the port john at the time. I'm glad we cleared that up. Salt Lake Jake, who looks like he's wearing a Ute beanie, if I click on this, is that? Yeah, he is. What? They got together and asked, how, how can did, we screw BYU? That's I, the whole point. I don't of the, see the how alliance. it's going to screw BYU. There's going to be fewer games available for BYU to schedule. I don't know that that's true. Well, I think it's absolutely true there's fewer, but if there are enough, it doesn't matter. Well, that's true. If BYU's getting their four to six power five games, or power four, however this shakes out, games a year, who cares? That's about what they've been playing most years anyway. So they don't need a gazillion of them as long as they get the ones they need. Okay, and yet last year they got the biggest run ever, and they played zero. Yes, but last year was really odd. That was really odd. Uh, Matt answered with how to hurt BYU. Number one, play them. Number two, don't play them. Simple as that. That's it. I believe Matt to be a Ute fan who thinks 10 is coming. But that's a discussion for another week. Two weeks. Exactly. Week and a half. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Hands and Scott here next. We'll see you.